Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Um, don't trust them. Look, I can uh, I can never forgive them for the death of my son. Yeah, uh, I got you though, dog. I was standing outside your open door, that's, recording. But now we know that that's how Kirk does logs. That is true. That makes he perfect does sense. them in front of everybody, no matter what he's talking about. Even he was like, Scotty got hit on the head and hates ladies now. You're just like, is that that's everyone's business? You're just gonna He's probably that? like Lyndon Johnson, too, just taking a dump with the bathroom door open as a power move. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet that's what uh, Spock got out of her head when he was doing the mind meld. Yeah, that's what she was screaming about, just for sure. Kirk on the bowl. Okay. <clears throat> it's week 78. Yeah. We inch ever closer to the end of TOS. And after this week, God, I'm so desperate for it to be over. It is the penultimate week, but... TOS didn't finish last last week. No, it was a real surprising thing that happened last week where Star Trek Voyager of all the shows finished last. It's wild. So we're not going to get to hear the good, good Star Trek Voyager theme this week. No. But we do get to talk about it first. This week we watched Concerning Flight. just let the whole song <laughs> I, was like, I think that's officially the longest one of those we've run uh, it's not it's actually not by oh. by several seconds we have played longer ones all right fine. i say we it's always me you sound, i always pick them but you sounded really defensive when i said that and i apologize i didn't mean to i wasn't trying to insult you about how long that was all right let's do it hey by the way so the guy at the end of the episode they take off in their dumb flying machine uh-huh i still don't understand why the episode is called concerning flight uh-huh. Other than that, they saw the script and they went, well, this isn't going to be good. Listen, Leonardo, in the end, he didn't give up. Okay, let's let's do this. Um, so we're back at Leonardo's dangle workshop where he and Janeway are speaking bad Italian and English. <laughs> Leonardo tried to fly. He tried to do his flying machine, but he ended up in the drink. Um, Janeway scolds Leonardo da Vinci for being a quitter. When he yeah. says he's moving to France because these idiots don't deserve him. Yeah. Then Voyager comes under attack credits. <clears throat> Think how many times that's happened. Voyager comes under attack credits. Uh, it's the end of most holodeck scenarios in Voyager, isn't it? Like most Something holodeck has to pull opens. them out. Right. Uh, in engineering, Torres sees the warp diagnostic assembly beam away in front of her. Uh, and soon shit is disappearing all over the ship. 
uh, these are some crazy efficient space pirates attacking them um, who can just put their beam ray on Voyager and take all the good stuff. And it just says, like, good stuff. If good stuff equals yes, then take, I think, is the program they're using. Their scanning technology is better even than Voyager's astrometrics lab that can tell political map, uh, boundaries <laughs> yes. on maps. It readjusts the political boundaries. Uh, this is even better than that shit because uh, they don't take nothing broken. Nope. They somehow know to take the doctor's mobile emitter mm-hmm. and a bunch of phasers and shit. Oh, yeah, dude, they scanned that and that thing came out in 29th century. Yeah. And he just went, okay, cool. I'll take that for sure. And the most important part of the computer they take, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it can't be that important. Voyager gets around. Okay. Anyway. <sighs> they, blow they, have all those, they have all those redundancies that... Who didn't think they needed but oh, the Cardassian woman engineer that had a thing oh, for Chief yeah. O'Brien? She hated that. Yeah. But she loved O'Brien. They blow up... Have- they blow up one of the raiding vessels, um, maybe with some of their shit on board. <laughs> they don't can stop to consider. You'd think you wouldn't want to blow them up because they've all been what stealing. What if the doctor's mobile emitter had been on the one they shot? <laughs> well, they don't care about him, so they probably uh, that is true. But he'd complain for fucking months. Uh, the other ships scatter, so I guess the hunt is on to, to get all their shit back from these pirates. Um, Harry goes to Astrometrics to try to track the aliens and runs into his big crush, Seven of Nine. He stands way too close to her, and then she isn't nice to him and barks some orders at him. This won't matter. None of this matters. Uh, can I ask you a question that is a snapshot of a moment in time? Mm. When he got real close to her, were you like, six feet? <laughs> That's right. He's not practicing social distancing. And if anyone should know better, it's Harry Kim, because he's probably had like nine diseases already on Voyager. Yeah. Always contagious. And always 100% fatal. <laughs> Right, and if in all fiction, when someone gets something, it's a hundred percent fatal. You go, oh, that's yeah. a bad mortality rate. You don't want that one. I mean, until a doctor whips up the substitute. Um, uh, like ten days later, they find their shit on some planet that appears to be uh, some kind of big trading planet, center of commerce thing. Tuvok and Janeway beam down and run into fucking Leonardo da Vinci, who I guess was beamed away in the mobile emitter. I just put question marks here. <sighs> Do you care? No, I don't. All right. If it matters in world building or something, you can say it. He thinks he's in America. Because there's so many aliens and um, technologies. Oh, and also because he's in Santa Monica. Well, yes, it did look like America for sure. I mean, for sure, later on when they're running around in the mountains, you're like, well, he's kind of right. I mean, (laughs) March and I were watching this and I was like, oh, that's California. Look at that. They're fucking in those mountains and you're like, man, I have driven a sports car so fast through (laughs) those mountains in Grand Theft Auto V so many times. Just off the road and just into the fucking ravines. Oh, look, and that's where the cultist compound would be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're they're hella fucking hanging out in the hills. Um, suddenly he can notice things like two fox ears and shit. Um, he also bumps into his patron, some dang old alien who I guess is paying him to build shit. Because Leonardo da Vinci, the holodeck program, is still smart and can build future shit. Yeah. Um. Listen, we know that to make. A holodeck program smarter than any individual member of the ship. You, you just, just have, have to, to accidentally say a few words. Yeah, you just ask if the computer delivers for you. It's um, wild that they do anything else. They uh they go, they see his lab, 
and they see a bunch of their Starfleet shit in his lab, so they know this is this is the spot with they found the right place. This is where all their junk is. Um back on Voyager, Chaco, TP, and uh Netflix is what I typed. But I that must uh, be Neelix. Yep. Are grilling an alien in a modified Starfleet jacket about who's I, Yeah, it's okay. Uh here in my notes I have written Velix, so <laughs> It's not, the V's not even directly next to the end. We fucked up the same part of the summary. Uh, they're interrogating this guy who's wearing a, st- a messed up Starfleet uniform that he clearly bought from the pirates. Um, trying to get a lead on all their Starfleet shits. Uh, they do. Some guy named Tao. They're going to be looking for him, I guess. Uh, we see some aliens bargaining for weapons on the planet, one of which is Tao. Janeway goes to meet him, and Tuvok keeps Leonardo busy. Janeway flirts, again, question marks, and tries to do business with Tao. She makes up a story about a friend who needs a new computer for a friend. Not me, my friend. And uh-huh. uh, Tao takes her right to the one he stole from Voyager. I guess he only has the one. He takes her to, like, a speaker. Yeah, he takes it's her to the, the computer's hub. not there, but yeah, exactly. The Alexa Puck or whatever. Um, now Tuvok and Janeway are using Da Vinci's lab on the planet as their headquarters instead of the ship for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Tuvok. Yeah, they can beam up whenever they want. It's free. That's but. right. Yeah, they don't have to pay for it at all, but they refuse to do it. Tuvok wants to steal Da Vinci's maps that he made and do the search from space, obviously. I don't know why he thinks these maps are so good. They have sensors, right? Or do they not have them because their computer broke? No, they still got him. All right, so I don't understand this. Um, but Janeway wants to hang out with Leonardo, so they yeah. split up. Yeah, she wants to. She wants Leonardo to help because this fucking Leonardo da Vinci's a fucking turbo genius, dude. I know, dude is Leonardo the one that hey she's, buddy the one that hey she, buddy it's Leonardo da Vinci the one she's always scolding and like fucking talking about how he doesn't know anything and she knows more. This is lazy Italian Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Never finishes anything. Anyway, he's going to help us. Yep. So she stays down on the planet with Leonardo and Tuvok goes back to the to the ship. The doctor tries to pry into Seven's business during a regular checkup. This is the B plot, but it is so far in the background that it. it I think we have an A plot and a D plot. For sure. Um... Anyway, he's trying to like get all into her business because he's bored, I guess, because he can't go anywhere because he doesn't have his mobile emitter. Uh... Seven and Tuvok track down the Voyager computer processor they've been looking for from Astrometrics. Uh, I guess it's in some some facility on the planet. Janeway doesn't notice Tao is standing six feet from her holding a weapon and loudly <laughs> communicates with Voyager. She really gets J-sucked on this one, frankly. <laughs> That's right. She's on her walkie-talkie and Junkie's just hanging out right there. Yeah. Uh, she gets nabbed. But Leonardo uh, smashes Tao in the head with a dang old fire extinguisher or something. I wasn't paying attention. Um, it looked like a regular fire extinguisher. and uh, But you'll I find those know. in America. Well, you, first of all, you do find them in America. Second of all, maybe this guy was like, I mean, I guess you can play with lasers and shit. This stuff's all new to you, though, so let's start <laughs> with this fire extinguisher. Yeah. I want you to, let's just do a quick refresher on how this works. Um... Uh, Janeway tries to convince Leonardo to come back with her instead of just pausing him like Tuvok did a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. But he wants to stay in America. One minute later, he is convinced. Yeah. Chaco doesn't beam the mobile emitter up. 
all he can track at which that's all he can track after Janeway loses her comm badge. Did Tao take it? What happened to it? Uh, it's it, it's unexplanatory okay. what happened to it. I think Tao did take it from her, but, but like, then after just he got conked on the noggin, I don't know why they don't take just, it back or why that would make it stop working. There's so many things in this episode where it's like, why are they doing it this way? Like, I don't think there was a, I don't think I missed a scene where he dramatically grounded under his heel or anything. <laughs> yeah, made made some great sounds, like the sounds my knee makes when I bend over. <laughs> um. Anyway. <clears throat> uh. So anyway, Chaco doesn't beam her up because he doesn't want to interrupt her great mission. Yeah, the, the facility is shielded, mm-hmm. so they can't beam the computer core directly out of it. So no. Janeway's going to have to go in there and overload the shields. But he could have just beamed her right in front of the facility, but he lets him walk anyway. Or sent Tuvok down her fucking commando team, mm-hmm. or done a shuttle raid, or maybe taken a shuttle inside the shields and beamed everything out. Or maybe, like, there's like a thousand things they could have done. Maybe TP advised against it because these guys aren't pacifists. But then Leonardo wouldn't have gotten to look at all the pipes and say it was like the arteries and veins of an animal. God. Or reveal that He's going to have the entrance to his fortress on the shadowy yeah. side so that the sun's not blinding his guards or whatever the fuck. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyway, the great duo of Katarina and Leonardo play detective and find their way inside the building with the computer. And oh no, a bunch of armed guards are chasing them. And I guess Tao's back in the chase. It don't matter. Uh, they do the techno babble inside the facility and Chaco prepares to beam them up. Uh, but Tao finds them. The computer is beamed up, but not Janeway and Leonardo. Again, don't none of this matter. Janeway uses a site-to-site transporter to leave the facility with Leonardo in tow, and Chaco prepares to fight off some more of those pirates in orbit. Janeway spends a lot of fucking time chatting with old Leo, and Chaco has to get into a lower orbit to beam him up. Like every week, Voyager gets into a shooting match with some aliens who are trying to stop them. Leo walks Janeway up to the summit, of one of those California hills where um, his new flying machine awaits. They they get in it and they escape the armed guards chasing them with the with the fucking flying machine. Yep, they drift away at 12 miles per hour. Well, two armed guards look at them and don't look particularly upset that they're getting away. Yeah. Voyager uh, finally completes the slowest descent in the history of space travel and beams them up. Janeway immediately goes right back to Leonardo's workshop once they're safe, and nobody accuses her of dereliction of duty. They chat it up, and Leo goes off to France. Maybe we won't ever have to see him again. (sighs) It was painful even just to read that. What was it about? Uh, uh, Genius thrives in any era. Or at least a computer program running on powerful hardware with the few personality traits of a historical genius does. Who cares? Yeah, it is a real who cares. It's just a who cares. It's a fun romp. The writer was a huge fan of Leonardo da Vinci <sighs> and bragged a lot about how he was sure that the reactions were exactly what a 15th century person would have <laughs> to all this technology, 16th century or whatever. Uh, there's It's not about anything... But I guess it's, hey, a smart guy could still figure it out. You might have to explain some stuff to him. Also, Janeway doesn't, by the way. No, but she that's spends the whole premise. episode telling him he's too dumb to get it. Uh, I give it a three because I don't care. It's a real who cares. 
Yeah. I mean, you are not wrong. I have the same thing, and I'm also giving it a three. Um, I had an intellectually curious mind will thrive anytime in any place, question mark. Leo saves the day with his dumb flying machine that never would have worked if the bad guys weren't carrying the script. Um, Ben has better to be free than caged, even if the cage is a golden one. I guess that's... Is that about Leo? Yeah, she says, you gotta come, you gotta get out of here. You're, this guy's not a nice guy, and you, you're in a cage, and he's like, everyone is in a cage all the time. Oh, right. Every, no one is free. Oh, right, all right, the good dialogue. This is a, it's a, but this is a cage of gold, uh, Katarina, <laughs> bellissimo. And then... Uh, <laughs> the, the way they were peppering in random Italian words made me so confused about what he was supposed to be speaking. It was very good. Yeah, What's Leonardo happening? da Vinci just is speaking English except when he's agitated and then yeah. he says a few Italian phrases. It's just... It's like how the Universal Translator... I think the Universal Translator is TV-12 and it doesn't translate swears. <laughs> yeah, that could be. And also it doesn't translate so men's dancing. Yes, well, obviously, it's uh, 19 plus. That's 19 plus. Yeah. Anyway, he said uh, he said it was lame and unartfully done, so he only gave it a two. He's <sighs> uh, only a one on execution, by the way. Yeah, he says these space pirates know what a transporter's really for. That's true. I mean, they do make the best use of the transporter. They got the best fucking program ever associated, like, connected to that transporter. Like, they stole phasers... Yeah, these guys are the bits. pack leads, right? Yeah, because when they're down there, Tuvok's like they stole all of this bunch of fucking thieves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the um, Delta Quadrant pack leads. I always yeah. forget which quadrant is which. Well, honestly, with just much less cool outfits, they don't look like they're from the Mongolian steppe at all. And they didn't hire the guy who played Cargon. No, to play what? To play the captain of the um, Mondor. <laughs> The Mondor. God, it's such a. What's Our the name of the What's the name of the engineer that's his friend? Oh, uh, I can't remember, but it's a really good name. All what? right, well, you know uh, what? Well, hold on, what week Samaritan Snare? This is what this is what the show is for. Samaritan Snare's week forty-two. Da, 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 da. Get my week forty-two notes here. <laughs> hold on, I gotta find these guys names i'll do this one uh you grab nedlog you go you get the yes it's nedlog you it's get the name you Gre- get the name of the uh other guy that's not chorgon from uh, the gatherers <laughs> would you please and then okay so it is grab nedlog and it is the mondor and let me search that one was called nah, grab nedlog is the uh grab nedlog is the uh captain oh his friend is reginod <laughs> Reginod is such this a, is Reginod. It's such a good name. It's a wildly good name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just a, a, such a good name. Uh, what's the name of that one with the gatherers? Uh, that's okay. I'll just search for the gatherers. Shit. Uh, the name of that one is... I got it. I got it. It's fine. I'm, just, I'm about to get it. Uh, one of the guys was Tameric. Um, let me see. Da-da-da. What are their names? Uh, Brawl? Brawl. It's Brawl for sure. <laughs> Brawl's the guy I'm thinking of. I only ever remember Jorgon's name. <laughs> but Brawl is uh, a poor man's um, fucking Kurt Russell. All right. 
Uh, anyway, Ben's a one. What are you on execution? This was a filler episode that like nobody could ever have asked for. That's the opposite of a fucking bottle episode, by the way. Yeah, they they are out on location doing a lot of business. There's um, new alien ships. They're down on the fucking planet. They got to rent that warehouse. Yeah, think of, and then they had to pay for what's his name. Think of how much they spent on this stupid episode. Yeah, yeah they had to bring John Reese Davies back for this. God, why? Worse, it seems to hint at B and C plots along the way, but doesn't like give those any time to develop. So we only have the dumb A plot. No, Seven of Nine has real bristly interactions with both Tuvok and Harry Kim, and kind of a dismissive one with the Doctor. It's not about her at all. No, and we hear about one she had with Bellana. That one is off screen. That's right. Uh, Janeway sends Neelix down to do diplomacy. We never see him again the whole episode. They might have mm-hmm. left him on the planet. Yeah, and like, Shmolus is boredom? I don't care about that. What is that? Exactly. <sighs> um... So anyway, yeah, it was Da Vinci of the Cosmos, and um, look, it's not that I'm excited about at the at the prospects of Harry Kim's teenage romance, or like Seven rubbing people the wrong way. It's just really a whole episode of this fucking thing. What does Janeway do right? Just not in this episode, across the board. Generally speaking, what does Janeway do right as captain? Is she good at anything? She shouldn't have been a captain. No, that's why I have here engineering, maybe. Yeah. She maybe can make the ship work. She's like a Reginod. She should be the chief engineer on a ship that's run by someone with a better command presence and ability. She... Every decision she makes in this episode is baffling. What's the name of the guy in Chains of Command? Darian Wallace? No. Nah. Um, the new captain. Oh, change like of command. Jellico. Jellico. She should be Jellico's chief. For some game. reason, I immediately thought you were going to talk about the guy that, um, no, oh, that's fine. Anyway, she should be Jellico's chief engineer. Well, yeah, maybe she was. I like to hear that. Uh, I like to read that memory beta article. Not like definitely not. What's the name of the captain in the wounded? Um, Ben Maxwell? Ben Maxwell. She should not be Ben Maxwell's chief engineer. (laughs) Those two loose cannons do not belong on the same ship. No, yeah, he needs someone. He needs someone with a calming influence. Yeah. Um, Anyway, she sucks. (laughs) She sucks and she makes all the wrong calls all the time. This episode, everything she did, I just went, why? (laughs) Again, why does Leonardo speak in random Italian words and phrases, but mostly English? Um, This was also very boring. I gave it a three. Oh, boy. Uh, Yep, I am also a three. Uh, The problem with this one, Matthew... Well, sorry, there's a lot of problems. The main problem dramatically with this one is that the stakes are horse apples. Yeah. Uh, Voyager tracks down these thieves immediately. In another C-plot that never becomes anything, Tom Paris finds a man who knows a guy who knows the bad guy anyway. So Mm -hmm. even if they hadn't run into Leonardo da Vinci down there, who was turned out to be working for him they still would have known him who he was and they would weird. have found the computer anyway it's weird and... that they wasted a scene on that when they were just gonna like find the guy anyway exactly ah, it's odd uh so we didn't need to see him running around through santa monica this bad guy tau and his little organization is that he simply is not up to beating voyager no 
He's he's out of his league. It's not going to happen. Also, there's a big opportunity to address whether Leonardo da Vinci is a person. <laughs> this happens all the time. Voyager actually talks about it less than any of the other shows. Yeah. <laughs> like the value of artificial life. And they have yeah, a, they have a fucking doctor. Exactly. And if he's not, why not? Seven asks Tuvok about it. Janeway runs Leonardo himself through some kind of weird thought exercise about sparrows. Mm-hmm, yeah. He's like, none of this is adding up. Uh, but they just don't. Yep. Like, she talks to him like he's real. She relies on him to help her break into this warehouse over Tuvok's objections. And then I guess she just terminates the program mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. Well, they went off to France and that's not any fun. It's, um... It was not a thoughtful episode of television. In no, any way. again, it was a slow pace chase episode that didn't matter. Yeah. I don't understand. Everyone who said the show got good when Seven showed up, that is not proving to be correct. Maybe it took a while, huh? Well, I mean, she is the best like, character. Everyone talks about how TNG got good when Wrecker grew the beard, but I think they're not talking about season two. Yeah. And they're certainly not talking about the first five or six episodes of season two. What the they mean is when the collar got the, higher. That's what they should say. Yeah, that's what it should have been, right? I'm just, she's the best character, but I don't think it's translating to the quality of the show. She's the no. only one who will say things like, well, everything that happens on this ship is dumb. Uh, so it's a three for me, and it's a one for world building. Yeah, yet again, Voyager uh, never attempts world building. The mobile emitter has a stronger signal than maybe a regular comm badge would. Like, it's not clear. Yeah. They're not even sure. They think her comm badge is blocked out by interference, and frankly, that may be what's happening. I honestly don't know. I didn't see her wearing it after that, so I don't know what happened. Uh, Seven needs a weekly eye exam. Yeah, it gets um, misaligned or whatever. That's it? Yeah, there's not a lot. These people are nothing. Like, what, what if you if you steal this one particular computer component, the backups can still sort of function. Yeah, that's I mean, not world building. The only things that are in there are things that we will probably never see again, like those cool auto transporters with the fucking filters selected to get the good stuff. Yeah, like that's a thing that you can do, but like no one's ever going to do it again. Or the idea of this commerce planet, but we've seen other ones like that, even in this quadrant. So not only well, not only that, but Janeway pops down there, and her first thing is like, "These fucking market cities are the same everywhere," and it's like, "All right, cool, <laughs> good. I'm glad to know we're in for a real unique fucking episode." Yeah, I mean, I I also had the Leonardo pro, uh, hologram is yet another super high functioning program. Um, yeah. But that's not new either. I I had it as a two, and then I said I could see a one. Um, so I'm gonna match your one. All right. Uh, Ben had it as a three. Let's see. Um, so the fucking computer, which is now in that bar's wall, is smarter than a human genius and can replicate his creative juices. That's just bonkers in universe. And I say, I've, it's well established. It is well established because that's what Jordy did on a whoopsie. In fact, I we are led to believe that Voyager's computer is one of the best in the fleet. Mm-hmm. And the Enterprise computer could do, like, a minuet or uh-huh. uh, Moriarty just whenever the fuck it wanted. And then in Season 7, it becomes sentient, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, dude, we all have to go to New, Vort- New Vertiforms. I don't want to go there, though. <clears throat> I don't want to go to New Vertiforms. You'll be so happy, because we'll be doing just TNG and Deep Space Nine by then. 
that guy's in it. You'll be like, this week we're watching New Vertiform City and the 80th consecutive episode about the Dominion War. <laughs> That's right. That that guy is in it. The guy who's not Wilford Brimley, but is like, I don't know, his younger brother. Sure. Plays the ticket taker. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I'm talking Br- about. Brilford Wimley. I yes. know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, Ben had it as a three in world building, so... And flipping around in uh, characterization, he gave it a three as well. He said, apparently, Tuvok thinks Scandinavians look like black elves. Uh, he has some criticisms of Janeway. It's uh, it's a fucking it's a fucking funny running joke in the in the later Star Treks that nobody knows any what, of anyone the on Earth, Earth nation is. states. Yeah, right. Like uh, this week, Nog is going to mistake Americans for Australians. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, we all remember Data was from Brazil, South America, or whatever he says. Yeah, it's re- it's a real funny joke that they love to do in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Tu- Tuvok just says he's from Scandinavia, and then uh, Da Vinci gives him a real side eye about it. Yeah, like, um, I know what Scandinavia is. That ain't yeah. right. That's not, you didn't do it right. Um, I had it as a three- Janeway still every week goes to the holodeck to pretend to be greater than Da Vinci. <laughs> it's getting out she, of control. She gets a real lady boner for knowing some science stuff that Da Vinci didn't know. Yeah, because he lived in the 1500s. 900 years ago. <laughs> it's insane. She's always correcting him and telling him why his shit doesn't work. And like, ooh, suddenly I've oh, come up with a great idea. Maybe if your hang glider had a bigger wingspan and mm. didn't try to flap, you idiot. I just came up with it on the spot because I'm so smart. Like, who, who is this for? Like, why did you make this guy if you think he's a fucking buffoon? I always thought it was the, the rich white man who had an ego like this, but maybe in the future. Like, just make a regular, just replicate a regular high school physics teacher, because you probably know more than them, too. That's right. Yeah, you don't have to go all the way back to all of Like, they're pretty good at the stuff in the book, but, like, they don't, they don't go that deep, right? I mean, they've been teaching this class for 21 years, they got a down pat. Yeah. Um... Anyway, I'm just tired of seeing her in there, so hopefully that was the last one. Um, Janeway doesn't care at all about getting their shit back, just hanging with Leo. Not only Janeway, when they haul that boy aboard and he's got the command uniform on and maybe some Klingon belts or something over it and Mm -hmm. an old phaser rifle. Yeah. Chakotay tells him, you can keep what you've got. We'll call it even. What does that mean? That's a phaser. I thought the Federation was really against that. Hey, you just gave him a phaser rifle. (laughs) He he took a class taught by uh, old Jameson at the academy. Before he oh, dropped yeah. out, before he became a <laughs> Maki or whatever. Oh. When in doubt, just give him Jameson's, some weapons. Before Jameson's great shame was known. <laughs> um. Anyway, Janeway. But Picard did end up hushing that up, right? Like, he gives him a big moralizing speech, but then one of Picard's old admiral buddies calls him and says, listen, we don't need this black guy right this now. This is really not. This isn't the time. But the man died down there. We don't need to do any more about this, right? Well, remember, that was the episode where Picard just looks at him and goes, well, I mean. You're in charge, but I don't like it. And like that's all that's all he says. And we got we both went, wait a minute. That's it? Picard's not gonna try to stop this? He's just gonna go, oh, I don't think that's great, but uh anyway, uh Janeway already thinks of Leonardo as way more of a person than Shmullis, who she's spent three and a half years <laughs> with or whatever. 
Um, she doesn't give a shit about Schmollis. No. She, when she goes to sleep at night and wakes up in the morning, she has to kind of remember that the doctor is a hologram. Oh, yeah. She doesn't. lives on the ship. I think she remembers he's a hologram and nothing else. Yeah. She actually remembers. She goes in there and she's like, turn on the hologram. And he's like, I'm on because I'm always on. Like, because I'm a person now. You remember when I became a person? We had like nine episodes about it. And she goes, oh, yeah, no, that's right. I remember now. Um, Harry is still horny and afraid around seven. Tuvok is bad at small talk. The doctor is awful and nosy as hell. Seven and Balana got into it in the mess hall off screen. And Seven has to be right in, in uh, every argument. I had it as a three, but I'm downgrading it to a two. Because I didn't read anything that wasn't bad. Well, I also have it as a three, but let me read through it. <laughs> Just see if it still works. Uh, Schmollis is still a whiny baby. Okay, we're Seven is, start. is back to being real prickly with everyone. Like, she was pretty buddy-buddy with Tuvok towards the end of Year of Hell, but well, that didn't I guess happen. none of that happened, yeah. so... yeah. Uh, Harry Kim stands up for himself a little bit, but also there's, the hierarchy seems to be shaking out that Seven outranks him somehow. Yep. Force and of personality. I, uh, I think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and by the way, it's fine. with That, that works for me. Harry <laughs> shouldn't outrank anybody. Uh, I mean... He's he's been on this ship and on this mission for three solid years, right? It's true. Yeah. She's a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like she had a service rank before she was a Borg. No, she was her a rank kid. in Starfleet was seven years old. <laughs> yes, and yet it feels right. It still feels correct. It yeah, that's feels right. right. I agree. Well, she's Janeway's pet project when Janeway remembers and isn't uh, playing with Leonardo. <laughs> yep. Uh, Janeway would rather argue with a hologram for 30 minutes than turn off that mobile emitter and carry it out of there. Seriously, and he's like, help me up the hill, I'm too feeble to get up. And she doesn't fucking turn him off. So, two it is. (laughs) That's right. Nothing good was in those notes. Um, (sighs) Well, yeah, man, quick hitters, what do you got? What was Janeway's deal here? She wanted to watch Leonardo fail. She knew that glider was bullshit. Why did she set up this whole scenario? Hey, I want to watch Leonardo get humiliated. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch Leonardo da Vinci get humiliated. So I can tell him what to fix. I'll pretend to have some inspiration in the moment. She's, um, it's just that her shit's not sexual, right? That's the only difference between her and Barkley is that. Oh, Yes. Like, the goddess of empathy is not fucking around in there. Exactly. That's why she can say to them, I'll be in Da Vinci's workshop, and then just go down there. This is just like, and also she just didn't read, like, Chakotay. There's not, like, a short version of Chakotay running around or whatever. (laughs) Right. Or, like, dumb Tuvok. Whatever would be her deal. Well, Tuvok did insult her in front of admirals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's probably dumb running around in there. Uh, But, like, this is no weirder than, uh... Wesley eating a pie with his hands or whatever. It's it's just that it's not other crew members, right? And yes. they had a whole episode about that in Voyager where Janeway was like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Everyone, so she could have one of those. Literally just, everyone we was like, We just see happens. this Leonardo one. Yeah. 
were they at warp when they got attacked or were they just fucking around in open space it's <laughs> a good question they weren't were they looking for minerals or studying a comet like what was going on there it's a just out of those pirates it doesn't catch seem them. like those ships should have been able to catch up to voyager in warp force them out of warp and then do all that shit i agree yeah they were definitely fucking around doing something um this is leonardo da vinci we're talking about here says janeway to tuvok who probably barely knows what that means <laughs> but for some reason doesn't say nah it's a computer program for idiots <laughs> You actually, I remember when you programmed it and you asked the computer to make him 10% dumber. Yeah. So that you could be more superior. Um, you said that the bad guys had the script. Mm. Is the script where Janeway got the warehouse security code to open that door? <laughs> she just punches it in. Like, they're like, she's like, how do we get in? And he's like, sun and shadow. And then they go to the door and then she just goes, beep, beep, boop. And the door opens? Yeah, uh, I think that was one of the 11 things she said to Leonardo. You wouldn't understand how I know this. But that was for us, too. uh, How did she get that? Yeah. And the fucking idiot guards don't even shoot at the big, slow-moving hang glider. And then, like, it'd be so easy to track in front of that thing. I mean, they literally They're, just look at it like they've given up. They've got weapons that probably travel at a significant portion of light speed and the gliders going 18 miles an hour. They, like, gave, they gave up as it was rolling toward the edge of that hill. They definitely could have fried that fucking thing. Yeah. Um, They left a lot of Federation tech behind on this world. Yeah, again, Chaka was like, take it, I don't care. Phaser rifles that plasma emitter or whatever that Leonardo got in the opening scene. They didn't seem to recover that. Uh, Actually, I like to think I just came up with some good headcanon. After that guy left the room, TP says, Chaco, hey, what was that? You just left that guy going to take a phaser? And he looks at him and he goes, the Maki way. (laughs) And just does a finger gun at him. Yep. (laughs) Just goes about his business. Uh, also, uh, to use the side-to-side trans- transporter, Janeway has to leave her tricorder behind. So, <laughs> not only is too. it not only is that there, but that's probably how those guards knew where they went. Honestly, the only thing they take back is the computer, right? Uh, they really only recover the computer core. Oh, and the mobile emitter, right? And the mobile emitter. I don't know if they even d- recovered the warp diagnostic module, uh, which they, they sh- probably should. They, they never even mentioned it. I don't think they looked for it at all. Yeah. Maybe it was on the ship that got blown up. God, I can't. I, when they shut that ship and it blew up, I went, oh no! What, <laughs> what if the computer's on that one? What if Schmollis is there? Yeah. They didn't care, though. It don't matter. That's why I kept. That's why I said nine times in my summary, don't none of this matter. Yeah. That's, that's their attitude. It had real none of this matters vibes. Uh, I gave best actor to um, uh, Seven of Nine is Pretty Tired of Voyager, and that resonates with me. <laughs> yep. And worst actor to Tao. This guy had no smarts and no charisma. He had no juice at all. No, he had nothing. I got a good computer. Take a look at it. Leonardo's like, I have found the perfect prince. (laughs) He's brainless and he gives me stuff to build. Exactly. And then it's just like, it's just a real dumb piece of shit. He... He's really, he's had a string of lucky successes. I guess just like the Packlets before they run into Jordy. He must have a good Reginod. He's got someone we haven't seen yet. That's a good point. He's got his, his friend. This is my friend Reginod. <laughs> like how he does describe him as his friend. 
Oh, quick ones. Uh, yeah, Tuvok, like Picard, Data, and everybody else, is bad at lying about where he's from on Earth. Um, <laughs> I guess they really didn't see all these smart hubs coming in the mid-90s. She's like, verbal interface. A verbal interface. Impressive. <laughs> it's like, now that's literally all technology. Well, not only that, but uh, she never played Seaman on the Sega. That's right. Uh, Dreamcast or whatever system that was on. James Kirk claims he met Da Vinci once, but the evidence is less than conclusive. Take that, Kirk's logs. Also, Kirk promised he wasn't going to tell nobody about that. He fucking welched on that deal. Because apparently he put it right in his log. Oh, this guy was a Da Vinci. And he was a Brahms. He's also Brahms. And all the other guys you've heard of. Like uh, Plato, probably. I don't know. Um, There are so many like obvious lingering shots of Seven's catsuit butt in this episode. <laughs> they have her back turned to the camera in every scene she's in. And then she at some point turns around and talks and then turns back around. And she's basically bare-assed. That shit is so tight. <laughs> Fucking Voyager. I still... I've put this in my notes every episode. I don't it is, understand it. It is for sure the case that if she had been, uh, like, swimming at a lake and got a mosquito bite on her butt, you would You'd be see able it. to tell. You for sure would be able <laughs> to tell. If she had, like, a pimple on her butt, you would see it. For sure. Ah, I just, uh, four men function. Married perfectly. <laughs> yep, the doctor is still very proud. Very proud of that. She's in heels. Anyway, um, and then, yeah, man, I recognize California. Yeah. It wasn't good. Will it be last place again? Will we ever hear the Voyager theme again? Time will tell. <laughs> it's just, it's just gonna get harder when these shitty TOSs <laughs> stop coming. That's true. TOS has a chance to lay a real fucking egg every once in a while. Including and this week. And then Enterprise is going to drop out, too, so, like... Yeah, that's their competition for the bottom. Yeah, it's going to be real hard. Voyager's going to have to get real good if they if we ever want to hear that theme song again. Either that or the Space War's going to have to get real bad. Yeah, that could happen. I mean, maybe in Season 7 when we're dealing with, like, fucking masks and shit. That's true. Gorgano. You get it. Although... I am is waking. Yes. Or as our father put it, Mikasa is waking. It's by the way, we always give him crap for that, but now I go, oh, he made an effort. Yeah, he was trying. He did a Star Trek reference at us, and we laughed in his face. Uh, fourth place last week was Enterprise. Mm. This week we watched Home. All right. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. The main cast of Enterprise and no other crew members approach a podium in San Francisco. And Archer gives a speech nope. thanking the 27 crewmen he lost for the sacrifice. Nobody else earned it, dude. Yeah. Just them. It's, it's just weird that he picked just exactly the people whose names are in the credits. Mm-hmm. There's no other heads of departments or anything. No Makos made it up there. Flox does get to be there, though, and T-Pole. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, he ends it by saying it's good to be home, but then it seems like maybe it's not. <laughs> yeah, that was a fucking he, lie. He goes to that Starfleet jazz club and plays catch up with a lady captain. Mm. Her name, I'll tell you now, her name is Erica Hernandez. It is not said in the episode. Okay. Yeah, you asked me and I couldn't remember, but I knew it didn't matter. It does. It is never said, which is wild because she's in the whole A plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Trip uh, goes to T-Pool's quarters on Enterprise and finds her packing to go to Vulcan and does gives her sad puppy dog eyes and tells her his whole home is gone. Mm-hmm. And she invites him to go stay at her mom's house up on Vulcan. So they're moving too fast now. They moved it is, too slow for a while, and now they're moving too fast. It is too. It is too fast. It is too fast for sure. But he's gonna go. Yeah. Um, Archer visits the Columbia, where his uh, lady friend is the captain, and she tells him about all the weapons upgrades that are going into Col- Columbia. And he says uh, he used to think that he didn't want to command a warship, but they needed all the weapons they could get out there and more. Yeah, they did need more. Actually, it turns out. Uh, they actually did need more. Then he goes to his debriefing where uh, Soval asks him a lot of pointed questions about letting all those Vulcans die on board the Salea. And did he even try to save them? Yeah, which, by the way, for, uh, like for a hot second, I was like, what the fuck's going on? And I was like, oh, yeah, that was like a whole episode. Oh, there's a whole episode where all the Vulcans were demented. <laughs> it's the zombie Vulcan episode. And he just screams at him that there's nothing that he could do, and where were you guys, and the Andorians came to help us. What the fuck? Uh, he doesn't even just scream at him. He, like, fucking jolts out of his seat and goes up to the fucking table where Soval is and screams in his face. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's uh, so uncool about it that they put the whole debriefing on hold, <laughs> and Admiral Forrest tells him to uh, go, go take a vacation, because... We cannot do this in this state. <laughs> um, Phlox is uh, getting ready to beam on down to Earth, and Reed tells him, hey, it's not cool down there for aliens right now, it turns out. Mm. Like, they're getting attacked down there, and the Vulcans are all hiding in their consulate. So, uh, I don't know, man, be careful. Uh, but Phlox is like, I lived there for a long time. I, whatever. It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not cool. When he gets down there, but that's fine. No, well, for one uh, thing, he has to go with Reed, which yeah. that's not ever going to be fun. Archer has uh, taken this brief to, uh, to go on vacation to go rock climbing. Mm-hmm. But there's this lady captain again, and she's like, you're not supposed to climb rocks alone. That's the law or whatever. <laughs> That'd be great if that was her line reading. The scene just ends. <laughs> yep. Like, they, they, it just ends. She just says, I'm coming with you. And then we just cut back. Um, uh, Trip and, and T-Pol arrive on Vulcan and T-Pol's mom whose name is uh, Teles hmm. but it's not said again that's just <laughs> from the script I was gonna say I don't remember that she's not like excited to see him look dude women don't need names that's what got him into trouble with this bitch of an ex-wife yeah. that he knew her name <laughs> never again Anyway, uh, T-Ball's mom's not happy to see him show up there. Sure. And she pulls T-Ball aside and she's like, do you remember your old fiance, Koss? He wrote you this letter. Yeah, I think you should go see him. You need to hang out with this guy. And uh, she's got so much emotions. And T-Ball's got so much emotions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're both doing a real Vulcan, real Vulcan they're just, thing. They're just both almost crying the whole episode. 
They're, it's, they're both pulling a real spiner out here. Yeah. Uh, as they climb, uh, Archer tells the Erica Hernandez that she should have a whole squad of Makos assigned to her ship. Because he... His deal this week is he no longer believes in Starfleet's exploration mission. He starts to say all the stuff the Vulcans used to say that made him exactly. so mad. Teeple and Trip make breakfast. Teeple tells her mom about maybe joining Starfleet. Just they get into a big argument. Flox gets harassed at the bar by some kind of dipshit. Mm-hmm. A fight breaks out. It turns out he's got pufferfish DNA, and everybody just kind of gets too spooked to keep fighting. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, come on. You just got to take a seat after that. Yeah, it was, but I thought it was weird when the racist guy looked at him and went, well, and then sat down. <laughs> you you win this round. Oh, okay. Did he even give him a, a real old school, you're okay? <laughs> no. That would have been good if he'd done that after his face blew up. Um, Teles pulls Trip aside and says, I know you're sexing my daughter. The first, This is just the first time she does that. Right. And then Koss shows up at the door. Mm-hmm. And Archer takes him out into the courtyard and he says, I'm good. You're going to marry me. It's the fucking, it's the fucking law. And she says, I could invoke the collie fee. Oh yeah. We know about that. And he's like, then I'll kill that human. And the human anyway, will fight. Cause he won't want to be embarrassed in front of the Vulcan lady. That's right. Well, she's not going to be there. <laughs> so thankfully it's some old dude this time. Okay. Um, he also reveals that her mom was asked to resign, lost her job, basically, mm-hmm. and he's got an influential daddy that could help. It really paints a nasty picture of the Vulcans again, the, the Vulcans, as usual. You know, it turns out there aren't a lot of good depictions of the Vulcans. Yeah. They are jerks, through and through. Uh, turns out that after the Pajem incident, uh, Tipo's mom was forced to resign, so... Oh. It's this is some consequences of T-Pol's actions coming home to roost. She also tells her to knock it off with Tucker. Archer has a bad dream about getting attacked by a couple of reptilian Zindis, and then he opens up and tells this lady that he's been trying to get away from her because he sees the old him in her that still was idealistic, and he did so many tortures and. And he stranded that ship in yeah, space. That's right. Finally mentions it. And uh, she doesn't know how to make him stop talking, so she kisses him. Mm-hmm. It's real Ensign's of Command stuff, basically. She I'm, thought he needed it. I might do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, to end that speech he yeah, was giving? I'm yeah, so I'm so sick of Archer. I might straight make out with him right on his face to make him shut up. Uh, it turns out, by the way, although we don't learn this till the next day, whatever, that these two used to date mm-hmm. until he became her senior officer. Anyway, they have they do mountain sex. Um, T'Pol takes Trip to a volcano and tells him, hey, now that we're here at this volcano, I'm going to marry Koss and put things right. And I've even negotiated it so I can still be on Enterprise. Mm. Uh, but I am going to marry this guy. He doesn't take it that well. He turns around and leaves, but I guess he rethinks it because later he's putting on her dad's old clothes yep. and getting ready for the wedding. And her mom comes in and he's like, she doesn't love that guy. And then the mom's like, well, if you're in love with her, you got to say something. And he's <laughs> like, oh, but I can't. 
Yep. Anyway, he goes to the wedding. And then? Well, and then she starts to get married. And the then end. the episode ends. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Quite an episode. Really good stuff. Ben's pick of the week. Oh, yeah. We should um, we'll talk about his take here. Warriors must deal with their stresses and may do it differently. Is that just about Archer going on a mountain? Is that what he's thinking? I guess. It didn't seem like the T-Pole stuff was, well, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. He gave it a five. And the Flock's racism stuff didn't really have anything to do with Flock's. By the way, it says a lot about this week. It's a five. It's a five. That's the highest score he gave anything in this episode. This is his pick of the week. (laughs) What was your take? I had, uh, life goes on for everybody else while you're fighting your own battles. I think what happened in home was everybody was just trying to catch up and adjust to the new realities that have developed in their absence. Um... Part of it is the scars they carry from their big adventure in the pelvic expanse. But <laughs> part of it is just that everything's different than when they left. It's true, but I don't really know what that's worth as a take. I gave it a four. Uh, I also gave it a four. I wrote, the consequences of a conflict go on after it's over. It's okay. kind of a dry take. It's just everyone having to face up to what they've done, and it's got a kind of you-can't-go-home-again vibe. Yeah, we're kind of in the same area on this one. It's, it's just not... There's nothing groundbreaking happening here. No. It's, um... Well, for it's one thing... F- it's not family, right? No, for one thing, I don't think either Archer or T'Pol or Trip or anyone really... No one comes down on anything. They're all just coping. No one, like, has a realization or, like, we come away with, like, a strong take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and execution wise, I only gave it three. Okay. Uh, there's way too much intercutting. They really like, wanted us to care about what was happening to everybody. Well, but not only that, but like we keep checking in on Archer in real time. Mm-hmm. And every, every scene is like a few seconds long. None of the stories have any breathing room. Yeah. Like Archer's gonna go climbing, and she, and all of a sudden she's there, and she's like, "You can't climb alone." Smash cut away to something else, and then you cut back later, and they're halfway up the cliff. Yeah, and then you cut back later, and they're making camp. And then he has. And then a you cut back, and it's dream. the next day, and it's like, and but the conversations are just going on as if there's been no interruption. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if they've said any other words the entire rest of that trip. Uh, I thought it was stupid and dumb to introduce this old love interest of Archer's without giving her a name. It, like, really makes it clear that she only exists to fuck some sense back into him. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, also this reset button on the trip t relationship felt less than artful. Yeah, I agree. So, this is a three for me. Yeah, uh, Ben had it as a four. Um... He thought it was fine overall, and he appreciated the attempt they were making. But he didn't think that any of the previous work um, ever was about personal development, so he found it jarring to be doing just a, a characterization episode, I guess. Um, I had it as a four. This dream sequence was cheesy. Those Zindi have always been cheesy. The music was cheesy. Like when he Babylon 5'd off the cliff? Like when he Babylon 5'd straight off of that cliff. 
it didn't really make sense that we had two scenes, two different scenes, but both approached like they were the first time of T-Pol's mom going to trip and being like, you're with my, you're in love with my daughter. Yeah. It was like, if you had the second one, you didn't need the first one. Yeah. Kind or of vice versa. Like the first one, she's like, Oh, you're intimate with my daughter or whatever. And later she's like, you're in love with my daughter. And both times he was like surprised that she came at him like that. And I was like, <laughs> why did they write this twice? Did they not realize that they accidentally kept the first one in? Uh, the <clears throat> end confused me. Is this a cliffhanger or does people just get married and that's that? <laughs> I, we'll see next week, but except we won't because it's it's just a it, we're just getting into the augments next week. <laughs> oh, Jesus, is that already happening? I didn't see what uh-huh. was in the thumbnail or whatever. Um, still. It was nice to have an episode without a lot of shooting, um, even if we still had an animal archer, a bar fight, and trip people feelings. Oh, I want to say one more thing real quick. You mentioned that dream sequence was out of place. Mm. It's also a fucking terrible misdirect where they see a mountain lion track halfway up, and then there's like weird animal growling that he wakes up, and then he gets attacked by these reptilian Zindi <laughs> instead. Like, that's how dreams work? <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, they don't know about anything, though. They don't understand anything. Uh, yeah. It was I'm just... making mine a two. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to wonder how much you I just you thought taken... about how terrible that dream was. How much you'd taken the dream sequence into effect, because I know those aren't your favorite. But I'm just saying, like, I was so impressed there wasn't shooting in it, but we did still have Archer shouting like an animal at the Vulcan. A bar fight. Yeah, and all the trip people stuff that I'm so sick of. So it, it contained many of the same bad things, but no one shot a weapon at somebody else. Oh, except in his dream. Who had a what? Did he have a phaser in his dream? I think something? the Zindi might have had a phaser or something. Oh, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> world building. Yeah, uh, give it to me. I think this was the strength of the episode. First, I had they straight landed that shuttle right on the days. Yeah. Like, no worries, bro. Like, imagine a chopper just sitting down and the dude stepping out right to the podium. That's pretty badass. I mean, it's badass. It's also wildly unsafe. I just don't understand the need for it. They could have just walked out of the tunnel or whatever. I guess those shuttles are a lot safer than a modern helicopter, huh? God, they'd have to be. Everything is. Kobe. Um, Imagine if the fucking... If Admiral Force had gotten Vic Morrowed. Vic Morrow. What? The helicopter blade just takes his whole head off. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, in the filming the Twilight Zone movie, something like that. Maybe the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, maybe he made it through combat. That's what matters. All the times he or Gage or somebody got shot. That's not a reference anyone understands. Um, (laughs) twenty-seven people didn't make it back. All told. Uh, Yep. Is their dress uniform just a black button-up under their normal jumpsuit? Uh, I don't think they were wearing dress uniforms. I, Archer what wears that they? Henley under his jumpsuit a lot. Wait, really? Because they all had this black uh, fucking button-up. It didn't have a collar, though, right? I think it did. I think it was buttoned all uh, the way to the top, and it was like it was like a dress shirt, but it was underneath their jumpsuit. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It didn't look like a dress uniform. It wasn't no. what Forrest wears, for one thing. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was literally the jumpsuit, but then underneath it, they were. It was business underneath, I guess. Um, World War Three movies are popular in 21X. I don't remember what year it is. 
new ships are more heavily armed after all this nonsense. They're specifically taking feedback from Archer and his adventures. Xenophobic violence on Earth after the Florida incident. So I guess T-Pol's mom speaks Earther? I guess she speaks English perfectly with no accent. And then she speaks Vulcan and Trip doesn't understand. So, like, yeah. it's pretty clear she's speaking English with no accent. Uh, the Universal Translator is a device you have to carry with you in Enterprise yeah. when they fucking remember. And again, she speaks Vulcan right in front of him, and he's like, I don't know what you're saying. So clearly yep. there is no Universal Translator happening. So how the fuck does she it's speak English? Wild. She's super good at English. I just... She didn't just do Duolingo. You know, actually, I've, I had a lot of things in this, but I don't like some of them. I might end up busting the score back. Um... They out here naming schools after this uh, child animal, Archer. <laughs> well, they haven't met him. They just know he did a thing in the pelvic expanse. It's true. When he was at the day, he didn't do anything crazy, so. Yeah, his speech was pretty normal up there. Yeah. Um, uh, Denobulans can puff themselves up real big when they're threatened. All of the fallout on Vulcan from Pajem. Apparently. Apparently people took that pretty hard. And there's a lot of corruption on Vulcan, just like everywhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm busting that back to a three. Because a lot of that didn't make any sense. Uh, I also had it a three. Um, what did Ben say? We see Starfleet Command, HQ. Vulcans don't express giant, gratitude. Giant statues on Vulcan. He says, but then yeah. the ambassador thanks Archer, so I guess they're setting this up as an extra big deal. Or they just fucked the dog hard to trust them. That's uh, exactly yes. correct. Who knows? Uh, T-Pol's mom says that she's changed, and one of the reasons is that she says thank you mm-hmm. about things. And it's like, I don't know, Soval's been on Earth longer than T-Pol probably, so maybe he just also picked that one up. Yeah, like that could hum- be. It's important to humans, so I do. That's the one dip- diplomatic thing I do. By the way, I was not excited to see that guy. No, I'm sick of him. He's like... I thought we left him behind in season two. You're not Sam Neill. <laughs> no, and stop trying to be. And I'm fucking... Be Sam Neill. God, was Sam Neill... Sam, has he been in a Star Trek? It can't possibly be beneath him. He was in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I know. Like a couple of them, I'm I think. Gonna, I'm gonna check. Uh, I We have the Columbia. We have learned a lot of Vulcan customs that we already know we'll never see again. Um civilian perception of starfleet as being troublemakers maybe and exposing earth to danger mm-hmm. and uh dirty old vulcan politics yeah dude this was not a good era for vulcan just like just like that uh klingon lawyer lamented <laughs> yeah that the, the klingon empire didn't used to be so fucking honor focused and all about warrior culture was that martok's grandfather martok yeah, and then we're like, fuck, man. It's going to be this way for another couple hundred years. <laughs> yep. The Klingons are not going to get it together. Although, to be fair, in TOS times... But it seems like maybe the are. Vulcans are going to get it together, because at least by... I mean, they're still pretty wild in TOS, but by TNG, they seem much better. Yeah, but then in DS9, they take kind of a step back. Cisco knows that Vulcan, who challenges into a game of baseball. <laughs> the baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Voyager, that week you've got a chance. If you can stick it out till baseball week, you have got a shot. Anyway, it's a three for me. Okay. 
Mm. characterization. Do it. Archer and Degra had a big grand talk about the mission of the Enterprise used to be exploration. And once this is all over, we'll be able to get back to business as usual. Yeah. But now he's a sourpuss who thinks they shouldn't be exploring at all and it should be Makos everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Reed and Mayweather sticking up for their old buddy Phlox. T-Paul is on the verge of tears this entire episode, and it doesn't seem like our mom has it anymore together. No, and T-Paul's Trips been like that for like a whole year now. Yeah, well, well, she's got a trillium addiction. Uh-huh. I know, she's working hard on it. Hey, uh, but Wesley found it so strange that anyone would do drugs, so I'm just I'm kind yeah, of but, confused by why she did it. Yeah, but then Tasha Yar explained it to him. It feels good. That it makes you feel good. You okay. don't know you, you have a problem or that it's not real. Well, I don't know, whatever. Do you remember I'm when he re- asked why someone would do drugs? That was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm not relitigating that. <laughs> uh, we, got, uh, we got Legacy coming up real soon. Um, uh, the Archer stuff seems unmotivated. The rest of trip Trip's a stand-up guy. He's not going to get in her way, whatever. Mm-hmm. I gave it a four overall. Okay. I would rather have I I prefer Archer being tortured by what he's done to Archer gleefully holding mock executions. I guess sure, yeah. But like, I don't think anything is going to change. Well, don't forget, T. Paul was in on that thing too. She was into it. She got the- yeah. Oh, Serpico, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> That's right, bad, bad cop T. Paul. Uh, ben gave it a five. Uh, some stuff I pulled out. Archer seems to suddenly think exploring is wrong and the Vulcans were right that humans shouldn't be in space. Uh, what's the problem? Okay, he's feeling guilty. I mean, not guilty enough to go back and save the maroon ship, but still, like, all I, the bad feels. I, I, did, did that come up in his debriefing at all? Or, like... <laughs> we didn't see does it. The, the lady captain didn't go, wait, what? Wait, you stole someone's warp drive? Was what? There, you stranded someone and you stranded a whole ship in space? Did you... Have you, you told anyone? No, I forgot. I forgot. That's why I'm so guilty. Did you send the aquatic Zindi to go get him? Yeah, they got a whole. They can carry the ship. They can right just in their swallow belly. that ship up and take him home. <laughs> Poor Damar. Um, he also said he felt the trip Teep's part was actually pretty good as character development, even though it wasn't real satisfying plot wise. Um, I also I asked, had we seen Archer's girlfriend before? Because I did not remember. I don't think so. Uh, he recommended some warship type upgrades, even though he feels slightly bad about the whole mission now. He turns into a total animal in the debrief. He's got regrets about, uh, his part and everything that happened out there in deep space. Now he remembers Damar. He's gonna date this chick again because they fucked on a mountain. Uh, they got mountain climber rules where whatever happens on the mountain stays on the mountain, so they don't have to fill out a form. To tell Admiral Force that the captains of the only two Warp 5 capable ships are boning. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, is, this is how that old boy club gets started, by the way. No, oh, good. We got to see the genesis of it right there. On the mountain. This uh, leads to directly to... Uh, what's the captain who calls all of the four weirdos to that planet to tell them about the conspiracy? Captain... It's Beverly's friend. His name's um. Well, I Walker Keel, but is it Walker Smith? Walker Keel? Yeah, something like that. It's Walker Keel, bravest of his race. Walker Smith is the great bravest of his race. It's okay. Walker Keel. 
uh, yeah, yeah, the, they, those guys were hella connected for sure. Yeah, uh, it's all that same. It's the same same fraternity of starship captains that just fuck whenever they want. I love that whole scene where the guy's like, the weakness is their memory. They don't remember, you see. And then Rix is like, I never met you, Picard. He's like, no, no, we met at a conference. He's like, oh, very good. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. We know who it is. We know why all those ships blow up. <laughs> Fucking garbage. Um, where the fuck was I? Um, Trip has no place to go since his sister Florida is dead. Trip isn't smart enough to be helpful to T-Pole with her mom. He, <laughs> he also he is, really isn't. He also is not even slightly interested in T-Pole's problems or feelings, just his own. He fucking is a real whiny turd when she's like, I'm gonna marry Koss. He's like, you made me come all the way out here to Vulcan! Damn it! <laughs> um... Is Teeple testing Trip to see how he'll handle her crazy family? Because that's not a nice thing to do to somebody who you only just started dating. Yeah, she should not have invited him. That's a lot. He's not going to have... She was expecting him to say no, right? (laughs) I hope so, because, like, he's not going to be on his own schedule. He's got to, like, get up at 4 a.m. to make breakfast and shit. She, she's like, there's a guest room at my mom's house, and he's not like, I'm a whole adult. I can get a hotel. <laughs> yeah, I don't, there are I no don't hotels really, on Vulcan. I don't want to. We fucked twice. I don't want to stay with your mom. Yeah, that seems like kind of a lot. Um, she, um, she doesn't get along with her mom. Her fiance's connected. She'll marry this dude to save her mom, or I guess is why she's doing it. To get her mom her job back. Her mom, by the way. Seems fine. No, she's broke. She can't get her fucking fridge fixed, and her replicator's also broken. Wait, what's their economy? How's Listen, I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of signals that her mom ain't was not prepared for retirement. <laughs> no, well, again, she didn't have time to prepare for it. She got booted. Yeah. Um, again, I didn't miss this Vulcan ambassador, and I will never say his name. He's a real shitbird, but in the end, he seems to come around. For no reason. He tells Archer that he still doesn't like him. Well, but... he, he, it's like in the beginning of the episode, he is really coming at Archer like, you basically murdered him. You're a murderer is what I'm saying. And then later in the episode, he's like, look, you had to make some hard choices. I get it. And it's like, <laughs> what happened? What happened? Did he climb a mountain too? Did he go off on his own mountain climbing expedition? Did he get something uh, on a mountain? Then he's like, I read Tipo's report and it said that the Expanse would have eventually swallowed up Vulcan, so... Oh, that's right. He does say that. Um, I guess we're good. Also, she said time travel's real. Is that, is that true? A, do we have to go back? I don't want to be the one to have to tell. Like, did one. Archer didn't put any of the stuff about the temporal cold war in his reports, right? Why would he? It didn't matter. So he can't really explain how he convinced the Zindi or what the sphere builders were. I don't. I, well, that's kind of complicated. I don't think Admiral Forrest is up to it. We know Admiral Forrest isn't up to it. He's also, Archer's he, goofy buddy. He doesn't even have a staff. Have you ever seen anyone else in his office? Nah. Starfleet is run by one admiral, and then the next in chain of command is just the captains. Oh. And also, he's a vice admiral, so they decided yeah. it was a three-star position. That's right. Head of Starfleet, the three stars. Um, I just thought how great it would be if you didn't see Soval that whole time in between their two briefing sessions except for right after archer fucked the lady on top of the mountain it cuts to <laughs> Soval was just there shaking his head no no it cuts to the top of a different oh. mountain and soval is also just fucked on a mountain oh, okay so that later on it makes sense that they're buddies 
I got it. But yeah, well, also if about... he'd been looking out of the bushes going, no. <laughs> what about the briefing is over and uh, Soval sees Erica Hernandez give Archer a wink and then he's like, so we're Eskimo buddies. <laughs> Eskimo brothers. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Reed is still gross. Trying to get with some chicks because he's on the Enterprise. Mayweather and Hoshi are good kids, though. It's a four. Also, it's a four for me. Did he sign his whole name or just Malcolm? I kind of stopped looking. God, I don't know. He I never look when handwriting. he's on. When he's on the screen, I don't look because I don't like his face or any of the expressions he's he makes. He's always making a squinty eye. Mm-hmm. He needs glasses for sure. <laughs> yep, he looks at everything like, I don't know. what it, What is it? I can't tell. Did everybody on Earth used to be so blurry? <laughs> yeah, I hate that guy. I don't want to look at that guy. Is he, why is he on the show? He didn't do anything. A mistake was made. Yeah. Um, that's it for me, man. There's a four for me. Uh, I got some quick ones. Yeah, let's have them. You you did yours, right? You did your characterization? I sure did. Look, I'm going to be honest, everybody. I'm thinking about Animal Crossing. So <laughs> me too. I'm just very distracted. <laughs> I just keep thinking hard. about what I got to do. It's very hard to do this show. What I got to do in Animal Crossing later. It's like the number of hours left in March are fucking ticking away That's and right. I still got to get a stringfish and a sturgeon. And you know what? We're only we're only almost two into this. I got 7 days left in March. I got to get these rare fish. Anyway. Well, we got three more episodes to do after this. So but yeah, it can be on quick hitters. Um, I only have one actually. Uh this Archer blue screen effect while hiking is so fucking terrible. Ah, uh, yeah. When the night sky was behind him, it was like, oh, that's that's not good. That's not the one. Uh, if you think that's bad, I'll just go into my quick hitters. I invite you to go back to the speech he's giving mm. and look at the crowd. Oh, are they some uh, like Madden 94 level crowd? Well, what I specifically wrote was uh, this crowd shot is post Lord of the Rings. So there's no <laughs> excuse for the RBI baseball level of detailing <laughs> in the audience. It's like everyone is the same height and shape. And they're wearing uh, three different pastel colors of t-shirt plus a white t-shirt. Yep. And it's just like a uh, yellow shirt, blue shirt, red shirt, white shirt, white shirt, yellow shirt. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm glad we both picked <laughs> uh, like early 90s video games. That was the level of fidelity that was represented there for sure. Does T-Paul's mom speak English for Carbon Creek reasons? It's a good question. Because either that was T-Paul herself... Or, like, T-Pol's grandma? Did anyone check to see if there were any other 50s America relics in that house? Uh, Listen, the whole thing was like a fucking Japanese Zen garden. Any of that shit could have been from Earth. Yeah. This could all be confirming that great episode. Like, is that a Vulcan bonsai tree in the front because Vulcans do bonsai? Or did they steal one from California? By the way, of course Vulcans do bonsai because that's what would have been so exotic to the writers of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They would have been like, oh, and they got like a fucking rock garden and bonsai trees. Archer looks at that mountain lion footprint and tells Erica it's a mountain lion. No shit. What other kind of cats they got in California these days? In the space future, did they accidentally let out a bunch of real lions? Uh, uh, It's one of those fucking tigers. There's a bunch of tigers in these mountains now. Uh, Snow leopards? You know what it's like. Listen, World War III got crazy. There's hella clouded leopards in these mountains now. Uh, hey, Costa's a big boy, huh? Corn-fed. Sneaky tall, too. Yeah. He's beefy. He's a beef He's a beef lord. He's a real beefer. I'd like to see that guy fucking shirtless, doing the fight to the death. A real bell beefer with cheese. It's a good thing <laughs> that Trip didn't have to fight him in the, uh, 
Didn't have to fight him with the on wound. I'm glad you remember the name of that thing. I always, in my head, I just call it the shovel. <laughs> Get that big shovel? <laughs> the Vulcan one. Oh, the on wound? Yeah, for sure. Uh, wait, now, you're you're thinking of the Lyrpa. The on wound oh, was the fucking the uh, sash with a metal ball tied to the Damn it, you remember right? both of the names of the weapons. The Lerpa's the stick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lerpa is what Wei Yan uses in the Dynasty Warriors video games. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. That is exactly correct. Okay. Uh yeah, that's all. I give best actor to Trip and worst actor to uh to Les. Uh Ben did say did Archer only bring that one set of clothes for that whole trip? Seems like it. I mean all well, he did he was all he did was get debriefed and go hiking. That was it. His plan was to be alone, so I don't think he cared if he got stinky. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, third one place took a last while. week. Third place last week was Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um this week we watched Little Green Men. I oh, know. Nog is having a yard sale to raise money so he can go off to the academy. I don't know what he's going to do with all that money there, but that's what's happening. Uh, Quark. He's got to pay out of state tuition because he's not from the Federation. That's probably true. And the, what the economy is, it's an economy of mysteries. <laughs> um, Listen, at the end of this episode, Quark's got to sell something so they can book passage back to Deep Space Nine. Yep. So it seems like if from you Earth. got credits, yep. your shit is fucked in the Federation. Yeah, you do have to kind of participate in two economies is what we're learning. Like, if you're in the Federation, you have the Federation economy of credits, but then also you better make sure you got some real currency. Yeah, I can't just carry a little bit of cash with you. Yeah. Quark steals Rom away from the fucking yard sale to look at the shuttle his cousin Gala sent him as repayment for helping him get the get his weapons business off the ground. Rom gives it a clean bill of health, and uh, Quark says they can take Nog to Earth as a test flight, so they drop him off at the Academy. Rom goes to get ready for the trip, and Quark whispers under his breath about what a profitable adventure it will be. Credits. Nog and Jake say their goodbyes. Uh, and we're off here. Nog talks up hum- Nog. Nog talks up humanity in the shuttle for a bit. Can we? <laughs> let's be honest. His name should have been Nog. Nog is better. We've <laughs> been like, is he Viet- Vietnamese? What's happening? You've been hanging out with Nog again. <laughs> Nog doesn't know anything about women. Um, Nog and Jake say together goodbyes. Okay, we're off. Nog talks up humanity a bit, and then Rom says he knows about Quark's chemocyte smuggling operation and planned trip to Orion to to sell the chemocyte. Quark. Every time I put Quark in this, I put Quarks. With <laughs> as plural. Quark pays Rom and Nog off uh, not to say anything. It's just some not some stupid shuttle business that doesn't matter. They get to Earth, and Rom has trouble slowing the ship down. It's like the, it's the bus that wouldn't slow down. <laughs> the ship has been sabotaged by Cousin Gala. Rom uses... Was that... Oh, sorry. Is that just a random Simpsons joke, or is that a runner from when Skinner thought he had written Jurassic Park? Um, I think it's just a regular throwaway from Homer. Can't remember the name of the movie speed. Okay. Um, look, uh, Rom uses the chemocyte to pull them out of warp and Quark wakes up in 1947 next to an army guy smoking. 
looking at pinups and talking about Martians. You get it. It's Roswell. Yeah. Uh, they get the cover-up part of the way, a part of it out of the way ASAP. Like, uh, they make a reporter issue or attraction about the shuttle crashing, say it's a weather balloon, etc. Uh, unfortunately, this week we're forced to play with a couple of guests. We got an army nurse and some kind of professor whose job it is to talk to the Ferengi. Yeah, they, by the way, I don't think they ever say what he's professor of. Maybe they, linguistics? They literally do not say. I was very careful. I kept going, surely they've <laughs> given this guy some credentials. But no, he's just a professor. Uh, his main credential is he's Nurse Garland's boyfriend. That's correct. Uh, hey, you know a professor, right? I mean, he, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's... um. I mean, I do. He teaches hydraulic engineering? <laughs> is this going to be helpful to you, do you think? Is that... Were there a lot of hydraulics on their ship? Whatever, Poindexter's all the same. It's like, all right, okay, <laughs> Jesus. Um, they, um... Uh, sorry, uh, Quark, Rom, and Nog argue a bit, and then the humans come in and chat with them, but the universal translators are malfunctioning, which means we have to ask more questions about how they work. <laughs> anyway, Quark thinks uh, he'll be able to exploit this primitive version of humanity. He's making fun of them because they, they're doing everything he does. Where he taps his head, they tap their head, whatever. Um, They, uh, they do figure out that the universal translator is broken because of radiation from nuclear bombs. Rom borrows a hair clip from this nurse and fixes universal translators. Quark introduces himself as the CFO of the Ferengi Alliance. He says he's been sent to open up a market for advanced Ferengi technology. Um, then he threatens this general that he's now talking to and says he'll sell to the Russians if the Americans don't want to play ball. Oh, you've missed the part. <clears throat> I shouldn't interrupt. It's not fun. <laughs> what, is it important? Is it something? Yeah, important? you've missed the part where everyone on the military base is playing with a dog that nobody brought. Oh, the 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 Odo fucking giveaway. and then with the dogs Odo. Dogs That's Odo. fine. <laughs> yeah. Quark comes back to tell Nog and Rom what's up, and that German Shepherd reveals itself to be Odo. Um, Odo's plan is to break out and steal the shuttle. Rom knows exactly how to travel through time now, like exactly back to where they were in the first place. He thought about uh, it. If, if there's enough chemocyte left, don't worry. The, there has to be stakes somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't work. Uh, Quark is reluctant to go now that he has a planet full of customers, he thinks. Um, he also, I think, plans on going back and taking control of the Ferengi of this century. He's going to be in charge of the whole Ferengi empire or whatever. Uh, the army isn't playing ball, though, and neither is Harry fucking Truman. <laughs> no, that piano-playing Democrat. <laughs> not a... as dumb as General Denning thought he was. I'm not giving this episode enough blame for all of the bad things it's doing. There's a lot of real hokey, fake 40s you, talk. You didn't talk at all about how, even with having met aliens for the first time, all this professor can think about is how Nurse Garland's going to look in her wedding dress. <laughs> no, I didn't, say, I didn't say that at all. It's true. Anyway, these... Uh, I they... want to throw this jar across the room just remembering it. <laughs> they, they take their Ferengi guests to the... Uh, or to be interrogated more forcefully. They inject them with sodium pentothal, but it doesn't work. Nog threatens them with total planetary invasion. I guess his ploy is to scare them. 
uh, eventually he shows them where on the map they're going to be invaded, and he uses that as an excuse to disarm the soldiers. That doesn't work either, but it doesn't matter because the professor and the nurse are on their side for some reason. Uh, and they help the Ferengi escape. Odo beats up some dudes. They get back to Quark's ship. Luckily, a nuclear bomb is scheduled to go off in like a minute or whatever. And they harness the radiation for their dumb time travel deal. The professor and the nurse make out. And then the general says, no worries. It was all just a crashed weather balloon. Then, um, then they get back to Earth of the 24th century. And everything is just as it was before, because Rom did the time travel fucking perfect. He did it so good. Spot on. Nog is dropped off at the Academy, I guess, and Quark and Rom and Odo come back to DS9, where Odo arrests Quark. Rom gets an evil look on his face, because he gets to have the bar, maybe. It's, this episode is finally over. <sighs> yeah, what was this one about? It was surely uh, about something. This is going to be a very unsatisfying so I'll just read uh, Ben's. Uh, ben gave it a three. He said, I had to go to Memory Alpha for this one. And yep, it was an homage to 50s B-movies. I mean, obviously. The, en- the ending scene with the A-bomb being the hero is intentionally meant to be a stupid deus ex machina. In order to talk about America's cavalier attitude towards nukes. He says it's barely a take. Uh, I don't think homage to 50s B-movies is a take at all. I gave it zero points. <laughs> I am no taking it okay. officially. That is fair. It wasn't about anything. Maybe, 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 maybe there's some room to play around in about not letting greed blind you to danger. Hmm. But like, no matter what Quark gets up to, he's trapped in that lab until Odo and the two people spring him. Yeah. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Also, what is that worth? Is anyone going to come out on the other side of that? Nah. Who, who are the fucking Gordon Geckos out there being like, nah, well, I was Quark last week with the fucking nuclear warhead in Das Boot. Yeah, where he's like, let me tell you about the beauty of business. I mean, gambling. Let me tell you all about gamp. Well, not gambling, though. What about chance? And you're just like, okay, we get it, guys. So this is zero for me, but maybe you liked it a little better? I didn't like it at all. Um, I just had what if, what if conspiracy theories were fucking true. Well, that's TV. That's it. And that was a one for me. I mean, it's... It wasn't It wasn't about anything. I think they thought they were going to have a real fun time. It was just going to be a real lighthearted, fun fucking episode, but it was torture. Just a real Mystery Science Theater 3000 romp that everyone was going to love. Mm-hmm. But it, oh, and by the way, that is what happened. Like, the if you go to the internet, all of the reviews on this one are very positive. But why? Okay, so they do a lot of stuff in this. I kept thinking it was maybe going to be about something because they were doing a lot of things about how dumb humanity was in the 50s, right? Yeah. Smoking and um, nuclear weapons and all kinds of business about how we're so dumb and we're just killing killing ourselves and all this shit. But, like, it never becomes about that. It never even no. really threatens to become about it. No, and making the atom bomb be the mechanism <laughs> by which they get home. Every... No one remembers that you could just go fast around the sun. <laughs> That was lost. Do it If you do it in one direction, you go forward. If you do it in the other direction, you go back. <laughs> no one remembers. It was lost to time. They didn't have time to explain that time travel technique. Um, I'm just flipping into execution. It, this episode tried so hard to be cute and fun, but it wasn't. I, no, I thought it was. You're right. 
Uh, I gave it a two. I know you no-taked it, so. I Yeah, I no-taked it, so it's a zero. Um, there are a few funny moments. But, and a couple of real awful moments. And as usual, those awful moments are Umox-based. Yeah, dude. I, I definitely have notes about it. But Nog is out there just fucking cruising for fucking HJs out there. It's just his dad is right there mm-hmm. and his uncle. And he's just like, hey, nurse, jack me off. Fucking rub my ears, bitch. Uh, we have another landing that knocked everyone out but didn't damage the ship in any meaningful way. <laughs> yep. We have a bunch of people in the past saying Star Trek slogans and ideas as if it means something in universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like that late, that nurse talks extensively about a federation of planet. Uh, but I don't know what she says when she's they correct no, her. She says an alliance, and then mm-hmm. quirks it or nog or somebody says federation. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone talks about boldly going somewhere too. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the. And I hate TV shows where all myths are true. Yeah. And so conspiracy theories are dumb. Uh-huh. I hate them. <laughs> okay. So this was not going to earn a lot of points if it had been eligible to earn points at all. Yeah, it was sort of the same on the take. When you gave it zero, it's like, well, it wasn't going to earn any no matter what, I think. Yeah. Uh, ben gave it a three on execution. Uh, time travel, super not sick of that yet. I should have known from the reference to the Bell Riots. Yeah, at one point they do a thing where they show Cisco as Gabriel Bell. It's in a book yeah. that Bashir and O'Brien gave to him but did not look at in any way. Because <laughs> that would have been kind of a tip-off. Oh, boy. We shouldn't have, We should find a way to get this picture erased. That happened... I don't know, a year ago in universe. Mm -hmm. And since then, every cadet has been getting this cadet's guide to earth or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's got Cisco's picture right in it. No one has uh, said anything about it. Cisco's going to become real famous. He's going to meet some cadets during this space war who are like, you're a hero, sir. He's going to rent red squad. (sighs) Red squad, red squad, red squad, red squad. They didn't come up with a good chant. Seems like a temporary name and they never thought of a better one. (laughs) That's right. Uh, ben also says, uh, I want my Moogie is a line that no actor should ever be forced to wail. Which is mm. just fair. Mm. It's Rob. Yeah, it is Rob. Um, so yeah, three from him. What about world building? What did he what did he say about world building? He gave it a two. Apparently, if sufficiently motivated, a Ferengi will do something unprofitable, like waste a ship just to get revenge on someone they hate. I mean, look, yeah, I guess so. we've seen lots of Frankie make uh, lots of like, crazy decisions. Hey, we don't know that he's not going to inherit that bar, by the way. That's true. He could theoretically come out of this in, in good shape. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I don't know where Cousin Gala fits into the whole scheme of things. Quark seems to think they're cool. I mean, he, mu- he must have figured it was like 50-50 that Rom would be on the thing when it blew up. That's right. Um, but also... No, Moogie can't inherit. <laughs> that's right. We've also seen um, Ferengi do crazy things for revenge in the past, like, uh, I remember Kazago's buddy. Oh, that was unprofitable. It was an unprofitable adventure. The fucking thought maker and all that business, the stargazer. Do you not remember Damon Bach, or do you just love saying Kazago? Kazago's the guy I care about. I see. He's the star of that fucking episode. First officer to first officer. That's right. <laughs> this is senior pictures, Riker. Um, 
uh, and then also uh, that guy with Dr. Farrick. Dr. Farrick's buddy. Yep. Damon Tog. Um, Tog. He's uh, he's off on his own crazy adventure. So it seems like they can get they can get off task a little bit. Which is natural. Um, what about uh, what about you? Uh, Ferengi fundraisers. Uh, Romulan interceptors are fast, I guess. Hmm. The ten thousand year development of the Ferengi Alliance, including bot warp technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Ferengi afterlife stuff, universal translator implants, uh, suggestion that even the Vulcans don't have warp drive in 1947, though I don't think that makes sense once Carbon Creek comes into the picture. Oh, yeah, right? How the hell did they get there? It's not DS9's fault. This show came first, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, yeah. Uh, it, but it's, this is kind of a young race's view of warp technology. Mm-hmm. It kind of doesn't make sense, because what about the Romulans? Yeah, what about them, though? Like, they split off from Vulcan? Yeah, and that was supposedly hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But what, then, like, like, way before the 1940s, but did they not have warp technology? They, they couldn't have gotten too far. It's yeah, Romulans right next to Vulcan? don't, because Earth runs into them right away, right? I guess that's true, yeah. Uh, flying into a nuclear bomb to get some beta radiation. They could have just, I don't know. What's the what was the biggest TV that existed in 1947? Because <laughs> a cathode ray tube is just beta radiation. Anyway, 19-inch TV. Chemocytes, the magical stuff this week. The big thing in this episode is the Roswell incident was Ferengi's, and so the three that I'm giving it is generous. Mm, yeah. Because that sucks, but learning all of that other stuff about the Ferengi's and thinking about when the different races had warp drive is interesting to me. I agree. I think there's, like, enough here for a six if the stuff wasn't all bad. <laughs> you know? Right? This is like the other episode where I had to down... I had to downgrade it after I thought about it. Um... Let's just go. Like where over. you start off by saying, I think world building is the strength of this episode, and then you read everything, <laughs> and then you said, that's it's right. I hate all of this. Um, yeah, the stuff about the Ferenki fundraising, uh, tooth sharpeners, I think we've seen those before. Pleasure Goddess. Of course, Nasty Old Wharf enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Pleasure Goddess of Rick's. Quark's cousin has a munitions consortium. I think we've heard that before, too. Like, Oh, yeah, by the way, Nog has got uh, porno. He, he's oh, selling yeah. his porno. He's selling his porno holodeck programs, and we all know what the holodeck is for. It's been Dax confirmed. buys it for Bashir. Yeah, it's a real fun gag. Why are you That's doing all the real, characterization? A real slap right in the nuts, huh? We will get to it. Like you said, this shuttle's faster than a Romulan interceptor. Uh, all the stuff about how long it took the Ferengi to get into space or whatever. Some Ferengi language we got to hear. I wish we hadn't because yep, it's. It doesn't sound real? Nope. It sounds like they left it to Armin Shimmerman to just make up on the fly, and he's like, Ugh. It's made entirely of English-language phonemes? Mm-hmm. And it's at the same speed as English? It's just nonsense? Like, it doesn't... Yeah, they don't have any cool, like, uhs or anything like that. Right. It's all, it's just all, any sound you can make in English, the Frankie make. Um... Uh, the Divine Treasury, the Blessed exchequer the celestial auctioneers bidding for new lives the vault of eternal destitution do you remember in uh babel when quark was trying to get money out of you me oh (laughs) that was a a lot better yes it was that was when quark was one of the standouts on the show yeah well they don't give him much to do and when they 
when they do, it's not very good. Oh, you know, I say that, but that episode where they went home and visited their mom scored a lot of points. Um, I, I really like that episode, frankly. Uh, Quark, by the way, thinks he's free uh, from the vault of eternal destitution because his bar is profitable. So that's that may be all it takes. Yeah, there, that may be the criteria. Also, he's always complaining about how he doesn't make any money on the bar. But recently we've been hearing about how it's actually a moneymaker. Um, Every time you see him with Latinum, it seems to be a huge amount. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what he's talking about. I, now, this is probably the fault of the one episode that said he owned six bars of Latinum. That was his whole worth. Yep. And then later on, it's... That's not that's not as much as we are initially led to believe. Um, Universal translators kept in a Ferengi's ears or something. Of course, of course, it's in their ears. Everything's about their ears. Um, they straight fucking hit their heads a whole bunch to try to fix them when they're broken, like a like a old fucking Nintendo. Yep. Um, well, you can't blow them. It's too sexual. <laughs> That'd be very arousing. Uh, probably the Ferengi have never even thought of that. If someone blew in Quark's ear, it'd probably be the first time ever. Um, I would be very surprised if we don't see it happen at some point. We have to I've, see so I, much sex in the open. Go back and watch Menage Troy and see if she blows right in Tog's ear. <laughs> God, she might. Uh, beta radiation interrupts the Universal Translator. All civilized spacefaring people seem to know that nuclear weapons are dumb and tobacco too. Um... Rom has discovered the 50th foolproof method of specific exact time travel. <laughs> it's so fucking easy to travel through time. I don't know why everyone's not doing it all the time. Constantly. They are, man. That's why Daniels is always too tired to explain anything. And like you said, the big... The big fucking reveal. Like, it's not even a reveal. It's in the first fucking ten minutes of the episode. Frankie, they've came to Earth. They're the Area 51, whatever, Roswell, alien business um i'm gonna give it a four i feel okay about that uh that's fine i i know take this episode so it's not getting a lot it's not gonna be the winner uh rom is a proud father and is no longer a murderer and they probably want us to think that he was never a murderer and that never happened a little bloodthirsty at the end of this one frankly he gives that look at the end that yeah makes it seem like maybe it's still in there um he says he's always been smart not dumb like everybody says <laughs> i'm smart and i deserve respect <laughs> i made him fredo i mean kind of <laughs> i'm smart i know things um anyway he's just lacking confidence that's what he says uh wharf is a racist but he loves that fucking tooth sharpener Cisco made everybody go to this yard sale. And he ordered them to buy things. Yeah, can you do that? that no. seems like that's not okay. No, definitely you can't. I mean, unless he's going to pay, unless they're going to submit receipts. Yeah, maybe he's going to reimburse them. Yeah, I don't know. It's garbage. Uh, Nog, like you said, has porno programs that he's selling. He also steals from station crew. Straight up stole uh, yeah. Kira's fucking racket for her. Broke, broke into her bedroom and stole her racket. For space racquetball or whatever she played. He got in there and it was just like a bunch of incense and shit. And he's like, there's, there's nothing. nothing g- yeah. What am I going to take? nothing good in here. <laughs> Saw that racket. It's like she's still living in the rebellion. Saw the racket sticking out of a fucking gym bag. He's like, I guess this is it. Um, and also, he tricks this lady into giving him an HJ right in front of everybody. In front of the fucking universal translator and everybody. 
it's it's rude dax buys pornos for her friends as a cool because she's she's cool and she's a good hang and she's like one of the guys because she used to be a guy quark knows a lot of human expressions including ones about tall ships um he names his shuttle quark's treasure which i think is kind of nice and he uh, also asks this lady for a hand job which is super cool Morn is in charge of the bar while Quark is away. Odo figures Quark is up to no good. Um, and he stoves away and pretends to be a dog. Is that <laughs> characterization? I don't know. <laughs> is that just something that happened? Uh, it is mentioned that the A-bomb is a deus ex machina in this one. Also, oh, Odo, Odo yeah. is a deus ex machina. Odo just fucking showing up being like, I was here all along. I'm a dog. It's kind of like, oh, okay, we're really, and we're really not going to try to do anything this week. I definitely don't know enough Greek to try to construct the phrase "a uh, person from a dog." <laughs> so we'll just stick with Deus Ex Machina. Uh, just, just a three for me. Uh, I agreed. I was a three. Let me see, just quick. Ben was a two. Yeah, he doesn't like that. Nog was a thief. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he said at the end, he says, finally, Quark is arrested for something. Yeah, normally he gets to go free uh, no matter what he's up to. But there is a strong sense that there, without any evidence, Quark is going to uh, get oh, yeah. back on the street by dinner. Odo's also, doing it to prove a point or whatever. Odo says uh, he's going to take him before a magistrate? What? Yeah, what is it? Who's that? <laughs> They're on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Uh, he's gonna bring in a Vulcan friend of his. It's is all a gag. there a magistrate on this station? It's all a gag. They're gonna throw him into the airlock too. It's ah, okay. Gonna be pretty all right. Good. All right. Um, characterization. I gave a three. It's nice to see Rom again. I guess uh, Quark's family backstory is fun. The Umok stuff is trash. Okay. They they really think it's funny that these Ferengis trick and extort people into performing sexual acts on them it and it becomes way less funny when you have the episode like, where he writes it into that girl's contract that she has to do sex stuff with him yeah it's a fucking knee slapper for these guys mm-hmm. that the, the nurse garland doesn't know she's rubbing him off mm-hmm. it's just anyway yeah dude all these writers are fucking gross what jurisdiction does Odo have to stow away on quark shuttle the same, the same one that he has to bug the entire station. What law? Yes. Well, he knows what, a magistrate. So. What? What is he doing? <laughs> he just follows whatever rules he wants and ignores the ones he doesn't. Justice I don't think is his my only is law. To justice. Yes. yes. <laughs> he just shows up and Quark's not like you were on my shuttle. You were not invited on my shuttle. Yeah. What's uh, you got a warrant? What's going you on? You were trespassing. Yeah. I gave it a three. That's fair, because that's what I gave it, so it's fair. Um, you got any quick ones? Uh, yeah, the bell riots are in the cadets' guide to Earth. Why? Hey, yeah, how would uh, that come up? hey, cadets, welcome to Earth. Here's something we are not that proud of. Welcome to San, San Francisco. Francisco. I hope you enjoy the academy. Also, once yeah. San Francisco had the biggest homeless colony on the West Coast, and you're like, oh. Anyway, there's a lot of sanctuary districts. Here's a picture of Gabriel Bell. He led an armed rebellion. Have fun. Enjoy that. Uh, 
that sanctuary district is now uh, a bazaar. Have fun. Yeah, this captain in the Army Air Force here, mm-hmm. just running his mouth about what they will and won't do in fr- just in front of a four-star general. Yeah. Just really trying to r- just run the show here. No military man can resist a German shepherd, even if it appears out of nowhere and makes a bunch of suspicious hmm and oh really noises. That's <laughs> true. Did the fucking cock its little eyebrow at one point. They bring the dog into the lab where they're examining the aliens. Mm-hmm. These idiots deserved to lose the space race. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, Nog's permanently on my shit list now. Oh, and they leave the dog in the room when they go. You they know. leave. It's just now. It's just the three Ferengis and that German Shepherd that they found out front. The in the room. Dog said to him, "You guys hang back. I'll I'll figure out what they're up to." Uh, thank goodness no one was looking through the mirror when Odo transformed in from a dog. You I, know the mirror that they were looking through at yeah. the beginning into that room that that you could see from the outside. Every scene after that, I thought either the Ferengi or Odo was going to do something that, and then they were going to come in and go, we were watching you the whole time. And it was like, oh, they nah. don't know about two double-sided nope, mirrors nah. or whatever. They just left them alone to fucking plot about how they're going to go get the ship out of Hangar 18. Yep. Uh, you can't kiss your fiance like that, man. She's going to get pregnant. I know. Well. It's 1947. Dude, they just let some aliens escape. It's just a horny time for everyone. Uh, General Denning. Uh, you may recognize him from Rambo 2. Or also as Adam, First the music man two? from And the Children Shall Lead. Oh. Oh, you know what? I looked that guy up during that episode and remembered he was the general in, uh, in this one. But I did not remember when I was watching this. Well, he is. It is music man. He ate that pear and died and came back as this general. He was the only one smart enough to have shoes. Yeah. Didn't do him any good, though. I gave uh, Best Actor to Rom, Worst Actor to Nog. I don't know what else to do with this one. Yeah, it's a lot of Ferengi. <sighs> um, Let's have him. Ben, um, ben has man. In retrospect, time travel is basically the most used plot device in Star Trek. It's a miracle it isn't in quite every single one of the movies. Yes, it's, it's true. true. It's only in most of them. <laughs> <laughs> it really is almost in all. Like, it's in a lot of them. It's in uh, four. Uh huh. It's in seven, Generations. eight, and and yeah. no, that's it. Okay, I guess oh. that's it. I and I guess uh, the first reboot, the reboot, yeah, has some business with Spock. It's also sort of not in Generations. There's not really time travel. Oh, really? There's, because he can go back to any time he wants. Yeah, there's whatever the fucking. All right, I know exactly where I want to go Nexus on the top is. of the mountain with the old guy. Right. I'll I'll take another old guy. It'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That is time travel. Okay. Yeah. We'll take we'll sure. take two old guys. It'll be we'll, <laughs> we'll double team. It'll be two old guys against one old guy. It's a foolproof plan. Anybody who's ever been in here, I can take. How about everybody? Yeah, just take probably all stop this like guy. A giant army of former Nexus dwellers. How about my imaginary kids and wife? Yeah, those little kids looked fucking... Um, they looked almost like those kids in the Voyager Hollow program. They might be able all, to do something. All they gotta do is distract them, and they're disposable. They're not real people. I invented them. <laughs> For some reason, I'm really happy about it, but it only takes me two minutes to go, Ah, the Nexus isn't that good. 
<laughs> you know, the thing that this other guy's, I don't want to get in. No, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to do an hour on fucking generations. Right well, now. Uh, obviously whatever Soren was seeing in there was way was, better. Was a lot better than Victorian <laughs> Christmas. Why is it Victorian? Why is he imagining that? I love it you. It did not Papa. seem like it was taking place in that farmhouse in France, by the way. No, it was Christmas town. And, um, yeah. he's still in his Star Trek, his uh, Starfleet uniform. So I guess he's still in the fleet, but he's come home for Christmas. To see all of his weird blonde children. What's happening? It's very bad and dumb. Also, he imagines his nephew's there, but not his brother. No. That guy can eat shit. Uh, he still died in a fire yeah, in the Nexus. Welcome to the Nexus. My brother died in a fire. In the Nexus, he's dying in a fire right now. He's burning to death right now, and Picard just closes his eyes and thinks about it. They don't show up before he visits Kirk. He visits his brother to watch him burn for a little while, and then he goes and visits Kirk. Yeah. All right, sorry. I apologize. Um... Uh, but Ben's right. They do use time travel in several of the movies. My only quick hitter was, why can Quark say every word perfectly in whatever English or whatever the UT is spitting out, except human? Yeah. Why? How's that work? The fucking, the universal translator is the worst shit. If everybody just spoke galactic basic. Yep. And then all the other aliens dropped off into their own languages. And we'd be like, I don't know, maybe there'd be a thing where sometimes two Chinese people would meet each other and speak in Chinese. And otherwise we'd have to assume, oh, all the humans just speak galactic basic around each other because it's the only language they all speak. Right. I mean, that would be a better explanation. Why didn't they use that one? They should have. Should have used Because the Universal one. Translator is just trash. It's just every time you have to go, wait a minute. Why What's does Paul's mom speak English? <laughs> why does she speak English the whole episode? How come that Nazi general was talking to that alien yes. in English yeah. with a German accent? Yeah. yeah he, was, he was a real Alexander about it. He conquered America, I know th- and then he decided to speak English. I know those are both from Enterprise. Both of those examples, every show does it. Yep. Oh, I, it's we not have a, a, it's, This is not an Enterprise problem at all. We raise and dismiss it every single one of these because it's, <laughs> there's no point in, in going any deeper. It's just a bad idea they had. <sighs> <sighs> Well, we're through three of these. They're, they aren't getting good scores. Not so far. Maybe, but maybe we're getting one. higher and higher in last week's rankings. Yeah, so yeah. Theoretically, the episode should be better, right? If there's any consistency from week to week. Is it TOS? It's gonna... Second place last week was TOS. Okay, I think it's going to be real good then. This week we watched all our yesterdays. I should also say, not only am I thinking about Animal Crossing a lot, but I also didn't sleep <laughs> the whole night because we had a crazy leak in the ceiling in our bathroom because the people are doing remodeling upstairs aggressively and they are just smashing shit around up there and they, they just left a leak going and just went home for the day. And then it was leaking through the fucking ceiling into our shower and then I had to deal with that until I went up into the unit when the door was unlocked and I was like fucking trying to duct tape seal the shit. And then I had to get up early and go up there and retrieve the garbage can full of water. I I put the garbage can under the leak. And then I... <laughs> so I didn't, sli- bad, I didn't sleep so very much either. So I apologize, everybody, for my bad performance this week. Second to last TOS. Let's do it. All, all our yesterdays. Enterprise is in the Beta Niobe system. Hmm. Where the star is about to go Nova. Like, about to go Nova. Three hours, and man. a half hours. Yeah. 
and they're there to check on the sole inhabited planet. Okay. With three and a half hours to go. They got scanners and stuff. Do they detect any life signs or anything? Nah, it's fucking totally empty. They may be not worth going down. Well, they do, though, and they beam on down, and there's an empty library, mm. and a man named Atos, and that's fun because it's A to Z, because he's a librarian. That's a good name. Tells them that he thought everybody had long since gone to the place of their choosing, and he thinks that the away team is having trouble choosing where to go, and he tells them they can choose from any of the thousands of Verisim tapes in their library. Mm. Anyway, there's three of these guys. Okay, yeah, there are three Atoses. He find they find the real one, and he explains that he well, sent he, everyone to safety. You know he's the real one because when you hit him, his helmet doesn't. His helmet, his helmet does come off. Uh, doesn't come off. It's been so long <laughs> since I played that that I don't remember. This Turtles two reference. <laughs> the arcade game. Um, he says he sent everybody to safety with the help of his replicas, and he's going to join his family when the time comes. So he shows Kirk a bunch of aluminum discs with light up, which light up with images of like the old West or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Spock gets Atos to explain that when they've chosen their period, he will prepare them through the Atavacron. <laughs> There's a lot of good, good, good sci-fi words in this. Uh, but Kirk hears a woman screaming and runs through what he thinks is just like a doorway or an arch, but it's actually the Atavacron. Uh-oh. And he's into fucking Three Musketeers times. Oh, God damn it. But also it's in, was it in Scotland or Ireland? Where this is we? another planet, but it is also somehow the England of like Charles II. Okay. He gets in a sword fight and wins. Uh, easily. He smashes that dude. Uh, yeah, it's not close. Yeah. He flirts with um, Beverly Crusher's great 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 grandmother. She was also who is a prostitute a oh. and a cut purse. <laughs> yes. And then he tries to get back to the library, but he can't find the door. Meanwhile, McCoy and Spock ran to follow him, yeah. but they ended up in a frozen tundra. Yeah, it wasn't so good. Um, he can hear McCoy and Spock calling to him from their wasteland, and Spock tells Kirk about the Atavacron, and then he tries to use his voice to guide him back to the portal but meanwhile the cops have showed up mm-hmm. and kirk gets arrested for being a witch or whatever oh no for the for the fighting uh f- both actually <laughs> for the fighting and then they see him doing witchcraft and then they see witchcraft which they don't love no spock and mccoy are gonna die of hypothermia but luckily they follow a hooded figure to shelter mm-hmm and um, the hooded figure stands creepily behind Spock silently for, for a little bit and then removes her hood and introduces herself as a prisoner of Zorkon the Tyrant who sends people here when he wants them to disappear. I can't wait to meet Zorkon. I bet they found a really good guest actor for Zorkon, right? Uh, we never meet Zorkon. Oh, we never meet Zorkon. That's okay. Zorkon is from an earlier, much more interesting time in this planet's history, I it guess. turns out. Yeah. Um. She thinks she's gone ice crazy and is imagining them, but Spock holds her hand and promises he's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, she's beautiful. Yeah, also underneath you, that rope, she's wearing like a fucking caveman bikini or whatever. Almost, She's wearing almost nothing, as usual. Mm-hmm. She's a real droxine. Yep. Um, a fat magistrate comes to grill Kirk, <laughs> and he has a bonkers facial reaction when Kirk says the word library. Also, it does the Star Trek zoom on him. It's... 
so when he, good. When he's his library, the guy turns his face to the side and it does the Star Trek zoom right in on his crazy fucking face. It's, it is what Deep Space Nine should have done in Little Green Men. Yeah, it's true. This is what they should have done an, an homage to. The original Star Trek. Because yeah. it's cornier than whatever they were doing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he decides to let Kirk go, but then everyone pipes up about how he was talking to spirits and he's a demon or something. So the magistrate plays dumb. He won't talk to him about the library at all and leaves him to be examined by an expert in witchcraft. Mm. McCoy comes to and meets this woman whose name is Zarabeth, and then she and Spock go to another room and she takes off her clothes. Yeah. Spock asks her how she got there. She tells him she was sent there by Zorkon the Tyrant. She can't go back because the Atavacron is a one-way trip. It changes their cell structure to match their time period. Yeah, that way they can never go back. Meanwhile, Kirk, who doesn't know any of this, knocks his jailer out and then drags the magistrate in and gets the same lecture from him, but because he hears the magic word prepared, Mm -hmm. he realizes that he wasn't subjected to the procedure. And when he I tells mean, the magistrate that, in the guy a way, says, he's doing a real Kirk where he's like, I assume I wasn't subjected to that. Uh, yes, but it's always right, and yes. it's right this time also. Exactly. Uh, the magistrate tells him he only has a few hours to live if his cells aren't prepared, so he's got to get back. Um, McCoy and Spock don't know this, but McCoy starts flirting with Zarabeth. Spock is getting visibly irritated by everything. They get in a big argument and almost fight about it. Mm. And then McCoy seems like he's going to have a flash of insight about why this is happening to them. But don't worry, he doesn't. Instead, we cut back to Kirk, <laughs> yep. who's been led back to the general area of the portal and steps through a special effect and back into the library. Mm-hmm. He calls Scotty and gives him the usual, usual speech, uh, just get the ship out of here if it blows up, and learns they've got 17 minutes. Yeah. The real Atos hits him with a pipe, but this is just a time waster. Um, stuns him with a pipe, like shoots him with a magic pipe. Mm-hmm. Spock eats meat and falls in love. Yeah. Uh, Kirk overpowers Atos again and then forces him to help find the disc that Spock and McCoy were looking at before they went through the portal because that's why they went to a different zone. Right. McCoy busts in on maybe post-coital Spock. Could be. And tells him that he thinks Zarabeth is a big liar and that she lied to him. And Spock reacts very badly. And McCoy uh, trots out his theory that it's because the Vulcans <laughs> of the current time period are also angry barbarians. It makes total sense. And then Zarabeth If you go had, back in time 5,000 years, you'll act like all the Vulcans from 5,000 years ago. That is, yeah, that's the operating principle here. Uh-huh. Zarabeth admits that she doesn't know whether Spock and McCoy can go back. And McCoy says, well, fuck it, I'm going to try. And then he takes one of her furs, which is, like, not cool. Yeah, did not ask. And leaves. And Spock and Zarabeth chase him. They can hear Kirk again. They follow his voice to the portal. Spock doesn't want to go through. He wants to live there with his new wife. Mm. And so he pushes McCoy through. But McCoy can't go through, and Atos thinks they have to go through it together because they did the first time. There's so many things like that in this episode. <laughs> Dumb rules that are invented on the spot. So they do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zerabeth turns and walks away. Spock and McCoy go through. Atos immediately rushes to the portal as soon as they're clear because he's got to get to the fucking past. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, Spock says, listen, she's been dead for 5,000 years and none of this counts, and they leave. Awesome. Take, what is it? Uh, hey, in what way are <laughs> death and loneliness different? That's a big question. Uh, it's only worth a five because it's like 
What am I going to do with that? Who cares? That's a big question in these shelter-in-place social isolation times. Yeah, that's right. If you're isolating alone... We might as well all go to the beach and behave in an uncivilized fashion because... It's like death right. having to stay in your apartment where food can still be delivered. I feel like that's what people are actually saying with their dumb mouths. Um, ben uh, Ben said the past is a false refuge. Spock wants to make a life in the Ice Age, but it's not right for him. Well, yeah, because he becomes a crazy old guy and he's got a kid feast days, then McCoy won't be able to go back. And um, also, they didn't really choose to go back. It's not like they th- were hoping to go to the past. They did no. a whoopsie. Yeah, this was a big whoopsie. Everyone involved fucked up on this one. They did a whoopsie. They tried to follow their friend who did a whoopsie, and they went to a different whoopsie. So, uh, but it was a three for Ben. Uh, I agree with Ben that the take is you can't escape into the past. Hmm. We belong to the future. Ooh. Sounds now, exciting. Maybe I'm maybe I'm so happy about this take because there's a big group of people I'd love to hear this in 2020. <laughs> you cannot escape to the past. Yeah. It's not good back there. Stop saying it's good. It's not. It's witchcraft and living in a cave. Yeah, people get Toman poisoning and blame it on ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go back there. Yeah. Build a future instead. I gave it a six. All right. Okay. I didn't know if that's what the episode was about, but if it was, I would have I would have really liked that. That sounds yeah. good. I'm not a six on execution, though. I'm a four. Oh, okay. That's still pretty good. Uh, but some interesting things. Not one scene in this episode takes place on the ship. Yeah, we get to hear Scotty's voice a little bit. Yes. Yeah. We don't the, ever see anyone else. It's like the opposite of a bottle show. They had to build all of those planet sets. It was only on these sets. They did not use any of the ship sets. Yep. Spock was just in love in the Cloudminders. Yeah. I know that women of the 60s were surprisingly horny for him to an extent that upset William Shatner deeply. (laughs) Wounded him. Um, So I assume that this also, this episode also frosted Shatner's ass. He never even got to peek down this girl's blouse. It's true. They had this whole set with this skimpy bikini cave lady and Kirk was nowhere near it. Yeah. I mean, I assume he was standing just off camera, but still. Oh, well, probably looking right up her little uh, trousers, her little short trousers. I assume so as well. When when Spock was carrying her around and the camera very carefully did not show that part because she wasn't wearing anything. I don't know what to do with McCoy's assertion that Spock is regressing because the Vulcans of 3000 BC were savages. I mean, what else explains it in episode? He definitely is crazy. Uh, I just assume it was because he wasn't prepared. For by the oh, Tavacron. Okay, yeah. So, but he, they don't know that. So McCoy's just talking out of his ass. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. But like McCoy wasn't suddenly writing in hieroglyphics or casting oracle bones. <laughs> I know he totally ignores. You know what I mean? When, like when nothing happens to him. Three thousand BC was a pretty different place on Earth than it is here. <laughs> but he it wasn't that, like I, humans were wild savages. When he said that, because they went five thousand years in the past, that Spock was acting like people from five thousand years in the past. I paused the episode and sent you a message asking if it was true, because <laughs> if you said it was true, I was going to get really upset. I, the episode wants you to. The episode presents no alternate theory. It's just the thing about how they weren't prepared. That was my theory. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Um, this is episode is mostly a Spock and McCoy character piece, and it's fine. It's just not exciting. I gave it a four. Um, I wasn't quite as high on it. 
another another Nova they can predict with absolute accuracy, which is just hours away. Uh, down to the minute. Mm-hmm. And also, they're going to show up and check on the inhabited planet with three hours to go. Yep, they got to that one a little bit late. And then also, they read no life signs and they still go down. Yeah. I would have gone, well, seems like, we're, seems like there's nothing right, to do here. Hey, they took care of it. Yeah, it's all they're all gone. Spock went back in time and in so doing became a barbarian. I don't like this Spock. I don't like that this lady was wearing a skimpy outfit under her big furs. I it don't... seems like it should have been maybe more furs. More furs would like be there a... should be more layers in this outfit. I don't think that that big robe. Yeah, she had some pants too. I think, but I don't think that that outfit and then just the bikini yeah. would really have done the job. I don't like the length of this episode. So long. <laughs> crazy long now it is the same length as every other tos episode but boy that's long it's the problem is it's like 10 minutes longer than an episode of enterprise and it's about the same quality (laughs) that's very troubling it's it's really a problem it's just there's just more of it i do like kirk riding on a handcart having a ride through that library yes that was that yes i agree i do like this weird old white-haired dude's crazy face oh yeah, yeah, yeah 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 I do like Kirk's judo chop that ruins that first sword fight guy. <laughs> he is not prepared at all for that. They don't have judo in... No. Why was it England? You know why. This isn't Earth. You know why. Why did he look so, at... So-and-so's law of parallel planetary development. I know. <laughs> yes. Why? Hodg- Hodgkin's law? No. Probably. I don't remember. Why? Why did he look at that image of a uh, horse and buggy and smile widely? Uh-huh. Why? I don't know. This was a waste of all of our time. This episode was just a genuine waste of time. It really was, Matthew. I want to let you know that uh, reviewers consider this to be a bright spot in season three. Season three has been terrible, but this seems like it fits right in. And that it should have maybe been the last episode. Now, what do you think that says about the episode (laughs) that's is coming up I, next week that is the actual last step it's got to be pretty bad right? i long gave up hope about seeing a good tos episode it's okay. been a long time since i was excited um then after the episode was over i thought about it and i went hey we never met zorkon no that guy got a lot of pub in this one and i just assumed we'd meet him but like nope we did that was some shit from before the nova it's like, um... This is... She, her whole... She is not... She did not come through the library to escape the Nova. No. She was fucking sent back in time by Zorkon the Tyrant, who probably developed this technology to punish people. It's what she and seems now to the indicate. library guy is just like, we'll use the Stargate because we've got it. Yeah. She seemed to indicate that, that, that Zorkon either killed her family or sent them into the past. Yeah. So her family fucked, uh, got on his bad side. And I just kept thinking, like, Which is, I wonder who Zorkon's going to be. And it just never happened. Yeah, no, no Zorkon. It was a three for me. <sighs> I mean, if Kirk hadn't ridden on that hand car, I would have given it a two, for sure. <laughs> it's a very minor scene. I had it as a two. I just upgraded it to a three when I remember uh, how happy I was watching him ride on that thing. Ben was only a one. He where's Kirk supposed to be? The solve is you just have to find the exact place where the door <laughs> yeah, is and you by can the walk way, back through. They all walk through the door and they all immediately forget where they came from, which I kinda understand if you're not expecting to go through the portal oh, yeah, and you're yeah, disoriented. Yeah. But then like they And do, also there's not a door, it just it's just a fake Harry Potter wall. But then they do, it is gonna be like they do such a bad job of finding it. All of them. Yeah. They touch around the wall for like three seconds each and they go, I don't know. 
until like at the end of the episode when they all find their way back. Um, and then he comes up with a weird theory about how these people could have saved themselves from this Nova by going back in time over and over again. And just doing some science research. Yeah, which I guess is maybe true, but like... It would have been hard to do any science research if you go back to um, even that English town. The problem is that this episode is so much stupider than that oh, yeah. idea. It's like they could never... It, there's no attempt to even connect the dots. He's a one on world building also. Yeah, he says they he can calculate this. Nova real accurately, the Atavacraw, and you go back and you regress. And then he says, I don't know, McCoy seems basically the same to me. I, boy, it really is the... I can only guess because McCoy has always sucked. McCoy has always sucked. You know, I, don't I think, fuck with him. I think maybe Surak was much more powerful. Like, Vulcans prior to him really did suck. That's the only <laughs> excuse that makes sense, because he lived about Jesus times, right? Something like that, yeah. Like, that's about when the Romulans broke off. It was about Jesus times, I think. Sure, that could be. In, in the timeline of this <laughs> that universe not, that exists in my head. That might be how Spock or another Vulcan described it, because we know they are big Jesus freaks. They're into Jesus for sure. Yeah. Um, it like it doesn't make sense that he would be regressing if it's just a philosophical. Anyway, it, <laughs> there's no way to put it together so it makes sense. What did you give the episode for world building? I agreed it was a one. <laughs> Beta Niobe going Nova in a few hours. The Atavacron, which sends folks to the past. If someone's not prepared by Atos, they can pass. Through, they can't pass through the portal. No, if they are not prepared, they can pass through the portal again confused myself when i wrote it um it's like how many times have you they've been shot by the red ppt that's right exactly yes thank you that's what it's we darian lambert for. rules that's all i'm saying hold on, i gotta write a note <laughs> <laughs> some people talk about you the can jordan get shot rules. twice but the third one will kill you some people talk about the jordan rules i like to talk about the darian lambert rules yeah um uh let's see you also like become what your people were in the time that you traveled to. Oh, and you have maybe if you weren't prepared, or maybe if you were, it's, it's very say, unclear. Hard to say. Also, you have to pass through the portal the same way that you went through the first time. Yeah. Fucking Alamorane third chap, dude. Oh, really? You got to do the hand motions is. too. You can't just say it. Um. <sighs> This planet once had musketeers. We didn't do it exactly the same. We didn't do the hand motions. <laughs> That's one of the many times I wondered if we could quit the project. But we were only six episodes in. The fucking the first season of Deep Space Nine is so bad. You're like, well, I don't understand. We did it just like they did. First week of all, over a week, it was the worst show. Insane, irrational anger it's from Kira. All the way up to number two. I know. And then Dax. But we didn't do it the same, did we? Oh, God. We didn't do the hand motions. And then it oh. works. Anyway, this planet once had musketeers and all kinds of Brits and Scots and Irish and shit. Um, yeah, just a one, man. I don't know. What did you find in here that was, like, of value? Oh, no, I gave it a one. All right, good. I was, of course I did. Good, yeah. Yeah, Enterprise can detect stars going Nova, and it shows up to witness the event. I guess whatever's law of parallel planetary development is really super strong, because they're definitely some 17th century cavaliers. Yep. But it's also super dumb. It's very, very dumb. That's a super dumb rule, and they don't even bother to try and explain it. You know why? Because uh, Spock and McCoy go back to a, any kind of ice planet. Yeah. Like, could have just an ice age. Kirk's the only one who sees Earth, and I guess they don't even talk about it. No. 
Well, we don't even. I mean, nothing happens. Like they beam. Do we even see them beam out? No. They, again, there's no scenes on the ship. Yeah, there's just absolutely nothing. They both. They all get out of the portal in the episode. Ends, and it's like, okay. Ben's a four for characterization. He says he doesn't have any belief that Kirk knows what to do with a sword, <laughs> but he does win that fight. So I don't know. He d- Kirk did seem less well prepared than many of the crew in the episode with the Klingons when they had all the sword fights on board. He says he wanted the whole series to end right when Spock lifts up the cave lady to whisk her off to bed because Spock was so happy and he's the only good character on the show. I mean, I get it. Wanted that to just iris out end of Star Trek. (laughs) That would be kind of sweet, I guess. It's like, I wish it had ended when he went over to Kirk and told him to forget. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, It was a sweet moment. It was a sweet moment to end the whole thing on. He loved his buddy Kirk, and he couldn't believe he was going to be heartbroken about that lady he fell in love with on the planet for no reason. The one where he said, stay out of this, we're fighting over a woman. Forget. <laughs> Forget. <laughs> Just end the whole series. How good would that have been? That should be where it ended. Um, Ben was a four on characterization. I am not. I'm only a two. Okay. Uh Kirk beefs his way out of this one rather than convincing the magistrate or Atos or anybody to help him. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of punches and chops. Oh, and then he gets into the library and beats up all the old men in it. He just beats the old men up. Um, Spock's uh, main suppressed emotions are twofold. He hates racists and he <laughs> loves blondes. Yeah. That's, that's him in a nutshell. McCoy's a real creep. Uh, Scotty's a disembodied voice and no one else is in this one. Yeah. So two points. Yeah. I, I much prefer Kirk convincing a computer to kill itself. Yeah, to that Kirk in a while. Just tricking a guard to come over and knocking him out and then yanking the magistrate into the uh, cage. I got a lot to say about that guard later. Um, Kirk loves horses and buggies, loves them so much. And when he sees them, his whole attitude changes. He's like, finally, I'm going to have a good day because I saw a horse and a buggy. Well, yeah, man. Who's his hero? Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> it's a, that, doesn't really, it's not actually connected. No, no, it tracks. That's fine. I'm sure he rode in a buggy at some point. He probably doesn't know the difference between this time period and when Lincoln lived. Um, Kirk's an expert, expert sword fighter. He bullies and beats an old man until he shows him the right snowy waist. Yeah. Not that one, another one. <laughs> he just keeps hitting the old man. He's the hero of the show. Yep. Love it. Um, Spock's working on a fucking girlfriend streak. Yeah. Every episode, he's just going to fucking rack one up. I just got to go back home and put his hand on his own face and say forget. Um, I said Spock has many emotions about McCoy and Kirk and them being separated and then about this lady. But, oh, it's because of the great science of this time travel. It's not his yeah. fault. And, uh, you know, I don't fuck with McCoy. Uh, it's a three for me. You got some quick hitters? I have. On this jewel of an episode? Some. Nobody listens to this old man in the library in the beginning of this episode, and it causes a lot of problems. He is really trying to tell them things. He tells them over and over again, like, what he the procedures are. He says the word are. prepared, like, about 50 times, mm-hmm. and no one is like, huh. What is- I think that means something to him. What is Starfleet training? Kirk hears that lady's voice and just bolts through that fucking tunnel. And a then, woman's in trouble! And then when he disappears from existence, the other two <laughs> sprint after him. Like, do these idiots not remember when McCoy ran through the Guardian of Forever <laughs> because he got 
uh, spores or something <laughs> made him know. crazy. No, I don't remember didn't what he that fall was. on his hypo or something. Ah, something like that. Uh, and then he disappeared and then they ran through and then they had to like prevent world war two or whatever, or allow world war two to happen. Yeah, I forget prevent what it was. the Nazis from winning because because yeah. either Keeler was a pacifist or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but no, yeah, they just run right through. Yeah, the other two just go, huh, our captain disappeared in that tunnel. We better go in that tunnel. If Spock doesn't turn to Atos and say, where did he go? Mm-hmm. Hey, can you help us find our friend? No. Okay, hang on. Wait a minute. Is that the Atavacron? You've said Atavacron 15 times. <laughs> yeah, how does this all work? Nope, he just, just fucking sprints after him. Uh, Kirk's judo chop fucking knocked that musketeer on his ass. Um, I said, okay, here's what I said. One of those swordsmen was core, and I don't even have to look it up. And then, well, I looked it up and I was wrong. But <laughs> check out the bio on the jailer Kirk steals the cell key from. This dude set the land speed record in 1979 when he drove his fucking crazy rocket car 730 MPH. <laughs> Why was he in one scene in this trash episode? Well, 1979 was a full 10 years after this. He was trying to make it work as an actor? And then his fallback was drive the rocket car? Listen, they needed someone who didn't care about dying to get into that rocket car. But there was, that isn't even the guy I was looking up. I just happened to start mousing through the other cast just out of boredom. <laughs> right. And then I was like, what the fuck? Wait, this guy was like some kind of fucking test pilot or whatever. Anyway, that guy was barely in the show. Um, The punch that they land on Kirk when they're like holding him, but when he's doing witchcraft. Right. Is so ill-timed. He has already fallen over before the guy throws the damn thing. <laughs> and then they do the sound effect and everything. And it's like, wow, that was uh, that was the only take, I guess. It's not some good... It's not good fighting, but that entire piece of that town was constructed to, like, uh, Great America Yankee Harbor <laughs> specifications. <laughs> so, like... Oh, yeah, it was nowhere near as realistic as the, um, the Harry what, Potter what? world that I went to at... Uh, at Disney, Disney World in Orlando. Yeah, why would why would any of the rest of that be any better? Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Um, Spock says that if McCoy is kept quiet and warm, he may recover. Why quiet? Yeah, I don't know what the quiet has <laughs> to do with it. Is that because he hates him and wants him to shut up? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go to the other room with the lady. If he's kept quiet, he'll recover. Well, let's not let's not make a bunch of noise in here. So uh, he seems fine. The only thing that's missing is a gag. Let's gag him. And then I assume he'll recover. Uh, and then I said, did this lady just say Zorkon? Oh, sure, she sure did. Perfect sci-fi name. Um, a lot of bad TOS acting by this guest cave lady. Um, of course, she's got beach wear on under that robe. And then when is Kirk recording this log in his jail <laughs> yeah. cell? Yeah, yeah. With yeah, that's what? A good... It's a good quote. It's a good question. If that entire log is in the present tense while he's in jail. He, he doesn't have his aluminum clipboard. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I was just thinking, really? We're doing another present tense log? Yeah. From jail. Um, That was it for At me. least it wasn't uh, Mc, uh, Spock meditating. And doing a, vo uh, doing a fucking yeah. narration about Droxine or whatever? It, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Uh, ben really liked the short ribs that Spock was eating. Um... He also said this was obviously before butterfly effect was a thing, but they don't care about this planet. Oh, yeah. they don't. I mean, it's all going to get blown up by the star exploding soon anyways. Yeah. Who cares? What was Enterprise going to do in three hours 
with this pre-space flight world. Ask if they could take a set of encyclopedias back with them for a museum or right. like evacuate 30 or 40 people. Yeah. Like, all right, who's the best 30 people? We That's don't really all we have got room guest for. quarters. You can go hang out in the gym, though. We're not taking you far, but, you know. Yeah, we'll drop you off at Starbucks. You don't want to die in that Nova. Yeah, it is. Yeah, what are they doing there? These guys have no space flight, but they have all this shit. Self-playing laser discs and time portals and human replicas. You know, in a way, it was satisfying. Space flight seems so much easier than any of that stuff. In a way, it was satisfying because Star Trek always assumes everyone's societies develop exactly the way they did on Earth. Yeah, I just have it in quick hitters, but like, they got time travel. That one seems more advanced to me. It does. What accent was that woman even doing? And why do they call her the Mort? <laughs> Keep calling her that. I didn't. I never looked it up. I I didn't want to know if that's like a term. <laughs> I was like, nah. <laughs> Let it go. I'm sure Barry will know, right? Probably. Barry, what does it mean they were calling her the Mort? Are we sure Ponfar is only every seven years? Spock is horny on Maine in this season. Yeah, season three. And is, he just a muck time was just yesterday. Season three is his fucking season, for sure. This uh, magistrate. Reminds me of Canadian comic Graham Clark. I did send you a clip of him so you could see how similar they looked. I, You know, I didn't know what this guy looked like. Part of me thought it was like if John Candy had long hair. Part of me. And like thought... a real crooked nose and stuff too. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't I couldn't land on anyone I thought he really reminded me of. But he was bonkers. It was bonkers. And, and their reaction shot when Kirk says library is it's probably the best moment in Star Trek, frankly. <laughs> Good. We found it. We're almost at the end. Yeah. Better than when that girl hawked a loogie right on Kirk's face. Spock tells this girl that Vulcan is millions of light years away. You get it. That is for sure outside the galaxy. <laughs> Look, we've come thousands of, we've come millions of miles, thousands of miles. Yeah, they're not good at knowing distances. Uh, Spock would know precisely how far away Vulcan was. He would know precisely how long it would take there, take to get there at any speed down to the, um, down to your primitive seconds and minutes. Yeah. Uh, McCoy calls Spock pointy-eared and Spock tells him, I don't like that. I don't think I ever liked it. Of course he doesn't like McCoy's constant needling racism. The way he said it, though. Yeah. I don't like that. That's why I was saying it the way I said it in my... I don't I don't like this. Uh, and, of course, how contrived that they have to go back together. <clears throat> uh, best actor... Atos running for the fucking border. As soon as these, as soon as these two boys get back through, this dude switches the discs and bolts through there, and hey, it was get to real see good. What he chose for himself? We didn't uh, get no, he just like had it in his fucking pocket. But it's, I assume it's where his wife was. Ah, uh, okay. Like his, uh, he, he has family, right? He was going to join his family. Mrs. A to Z. Worst actor, the Mort. There's no question. <laughs> she was doing. Uh, yeah high school drama level accent work. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, also she turned on Kirk right away. Well, I'm, um, uh, she's a real piece of shit. He, he, I know he's a witch or whatever. Yeah. He started on. talking to spirits and she wasn't in on that. <sighs> Four down one to go. Yeah. Uh, first place last week was TNG. This week we watched. Remember me. Remember me? (laughs) 
All right. Enterprise hits up a starbase for crew rotation. Dr. Crusher welcomes her old friend, Wilford Brimley or whatever. There's a lot of Will, a lot of Will Brimley for me in this episode. I really liked Dr. Dale and Quaist. He was a... He seemed like a good egg. A nice but kind of sad old man. Well, since my wife died, you know, I am in the same. Um, Dr. Dale and Quaist, a sad old man. Meanwhile, Wesley is working on a warp experiment and Jordy is cross about it. He can't use the engines while Wesley does his thing. Wesley acted- they are they are in space dock. Yes, I don't know. I mean, he's just, literally what he says is when Picard asks him to go to warp <laughs> and he's not able to. I'm going to throw you under the bus, you little shit. Yeah. Uh, Wesley activates his new warp field or warp bubble or whatever after Beverly shows up to watch him work. I guess this is the fucking. Nah, she's she's missing her dead husband, so she goes to see her son. Because Creepy. she has not worked through a lot of stuff. How much would you hate it if our mom... La- remember, remember a week ago when she was like, I don't know, I've never given this to Wesley, and he just got over his dad. And it's like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I think you still haven't gotten over his dad, and that's why you think that. Yeah, that could be. Why, you've been, why you say you've been avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah, not because of Wesley. Yeah. Uh, just, so anyway, she's sad, so she goes to look at Wesley. Just imagine if uh, one of the rare days you are in the office, if our mom came and just like ducked her head in and was just watching you work. The dog, that's what would happen if she worked in the same company as me. It would be the worst. Anyway, uh, it doesn't appear to do anything, and Wesley gives up the experiment and hands the engines back over to Jordy. I guess Beverly left There's the room, though. There's a big light. Yeah, but no one knows. No one says anything about it or knows what it is. It's weird enough that Jordy comes over and says, "What was that?" And Wesley goes, "I don't know." And Wesley looks around to say, "Are you okay, Mom?" But his mom's not there. Whatever. Yeah, I guess Beverly left the room or something. Anyway, she ain't around when Wesley looks for her. Anyway, Beverly goes back to see her sad old man friend again, like already again. But uh, that's supposed to be the next day. Wait, what? But they do. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> She's coming to go get him to have breakfast. Uh... Is, that is only explained later. And it does seem like it. she left engineering and <laughs> went back there like, well, he's had time to take a shit now. <laughs> yeah. I'll see if he wants to go to dinner or whatever. But anyway, this guy. But it does seem like she walked him to his fucking quarters, got sad, went to look at Wesley and then was like, oh, I left him there. <laughs> I better go back and find the old man. He's. Yeah, he looks, he looks he's so old. Anyway, he's no longer aboard. Credits. Beverly calls Worf down to the guest quarters. He says he didn't know anything about this guy coming on board. Uh, he goes off to look for him, but suspects nothing is really amiss. He probably just fell over or something. <laughs> anyway, Picard orders a big search, too. He also tells Crusher he never gave approval for this guest. Everyone gets talking about a lot of procedures about what has to happen for a guest to come on board. Oh, you can't just invite this guy on board. They're all needling her about not following the fucking proper protocol. She probably doesn't follow protocol all the time, sure, right? Sure, well, if she's connected like Picard is. She's connected to Picard. Well, I mean, also, she's the former head of Starfleet Medical. Yeah, but that was only a year, I wonder. I wonder if they were as she, eager to get rid of her. Do you think she got like a golden parachute yeah. on her way out? <laughs> I think they were eager to get rid of her as eager as she was to get back to Wesley. <laughs> oh, no, you're leaving. Oh, no. I probably heard about Pulaski's great memory erasing technique. And they're like, you know what? You're head of Starfleet Medical now. Don't worry about it. It's never going to come up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she says she definitely asked and received approval uh, from him. Um. Data says there's no record that the man ever even fucking existed. It blows up her spot right on the bridge. 
they do a little conspiracy thing here now mm-hmm. where Picard's like, well, it must have gotten intercepted on its way to me. And she says, and then they approved it and sent it back? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, does Dr. Quace have any enemies? Well, this was the same thing that happened in the quarters. Worf's like, all right, I'll go look for him. He probably fell over. He's a stupid old man. And then he goes, but like, where would all this stuff be, though? Yeah. And she goes, I don't fucking know. Um, anyway, Data blows up her spot on the bridge and says the guy never existed. Then they check with poor O'Brien. Oh, poor O'Brien. I felt so bad for him in this episode. Who says he never beamed him up, even though Crusher did come into the transporter room and like say hi to him. I guess he thinks he's pretty popular. <laughs> you just showed up just to say hey, is what I remember. He says she came down. Looked he, around. Uh, he said, can I help you? Or something like that. She said thanks and turned around and left. And he was just like, ah, that was nothing. Anyway. <laughs> Crusher is doing a fucking scan of his brain. O'Brien. When she searches, he's for- real embarrassed about it. Like she's gonna, she's gonna find out what kind of porno he likes <laughs> in this brain scan. But I didn't do anything wrong. I don't. I'm not into adult breastfeeding. I just, I got in a weird rabbit hole. <laughs> um. Anyway, she goes to like look for some of her medical staff who uh, also do not exist and never did yeah. exist. No one remembers yeah, and, them. And. And we know that one of them at least is real, because it's Dr. Salar. Dr. Salar, who we have seen once and heard the name of many times. Yes. Um, Wesley says uh, he might have done a fuck-up. His warp bubble might have eaten Dr. Quace, but he's confused about the other missing people. They don't really track with his theory. Also, he wasn't anywhere near the warp bubble or whatever. Uh, Crusher complains that now her entire staff is missing, and I've been complaining about that the whole fucking series. Um, yeah, and everyone's like, you've never had a staff. And I said, yeah, she's never had a like, staff. I've, it's true. <laughs> it's or it's real and can sometimes there's someone there, but who are they? When they need it to be, it's very busy in there, but most of the time no one's We're not going to meet Nurse Ogawa for like another year. Yeah. Uh, also, like 800 Enterprise crew are now disappeared, never existed, whatever. Uh, Picard finally looks at her like she's crazy. They chat and she agrees to go talk to Troy, who still exists, I guess. Uh, Crusher almost gets sucked into a scary portal. It's like a weird lightning tornado in sickbay. Yeah, she doesn't go in it, though. It seems dangerous. Uh, Jordy says that never happened either. <laughs> um, Data says the computer is super fine. I did the diagnostic. Also, no other ships anywhere are reporting any kind of problem. Also, now we're down to 114 crew, so 900 are missing. Also, that's how many there have always been. Also, Worf is missing because he never existed. Yeah. Crusher goes to Troy. Um, For some reason, Crusher hasn't been put under any kind of watch or treatment program or anything yet. They all are bending over. They're letting her call the shots. But again, she has no crew. There's no one he can get a second opinion from. They all bend over backwards to convince her they don't think she's crazy. It's very nice, but I don't know if it's the right thing Uh, to do. It is true. Troy basically tells her, what else were you supposed to do? (laughs) Like, she's like, I'm kind of feeling dumb about this now, Deanna. Uh (laughs) <laughs> am i crazy what if what? it is what if i am crazy and she's like i don't know what else were you gonna do about it yeah uh worried that wesley has disappeared she runs to engineering but he's still there they talk yeah, about this this one was just unfounded panic yes she's like oh no if Worf can disappear the my friend Worf, who i have probably <laughs> shared four lines with and three of them were in this the cling on <laughs> well, hold on she does a good job in that scene it's the thing she wants to say from the beginning but she's trying not to say it it's just like <laughs> yeah. if you had to go the Chinese guy, after they didn't get, understand your get, first six clues. Get, get out of my fucking notes. <laughs> anyway. 
Uh, so she goes to see if Wesley's there. He's still there. They talk about Kaczynski and the Traveler and whether maybe they can help figure this out. But just then, Wesley disappears. Uh-oh. She runs to the bridge, and now it's just Picard up there. He's the, he's the only one left. She whines a lot about all the missing people, and Picard asks her to go to sick bay. Um, she doesn't do that. They chat some more until Picard disappears, too. Thank you for sending me your notes. <laughs> Well, look, I actually, I used the black guy excuse when I was talking to Marjan about it. I changed it to Chinese for this one. Um, yeah. So now she's all alone. Uh, the And she she tries once again. To, she has tried a logical argument before, which is like, does any of this make sense? And everyone just goes, I don't know. And everyone goes, yeah. What are you going to do? That's life, right? Yeah. Uh, the vortex opens up again and tries to suck her in. She holds on tight and it closes. Meanwhile, we see the real crew, the exist the crew they definitely exist. Yeah, trying to bring her back. Uh, that vortex opening, I guess, was their one of their attempts. This is where the slowest thinkers in the audience. Actually, I shouldn't say that this episode is pretty fair with the mystery. But okay. this is where people who have not figured it out will learn that she's the one in the bubble. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you suddenly cut back and all the people are there, and you're like, oh, okay. It's her. She's having. She's all by herself, but they still exist. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Wesley says, uh, "I can't. I can't do it." And the traveler shows up and goes, "Yes, you can, son." <laughs> and then he says, "Crusher created her own reality in the warp bubble." He says, "Um, she's alive as long as she w- thinks she's alive." And then he says that he can only save her with Wesley's help because Wesley is starting to comprehend. What a magical genius he is. Yeah, he thinks this is a good learning experience for Wesley, and there's definitely no consequences if this goes wrong and he loses his mom. <laughs> That's right. No, there, no pressure. It definitely will not become Darth Vader <laughs> if he fucks this up somehow and his mom dies. Exactly. It will not cause a virgence in the force or whatever. Um, Crusher plays a game at the computer where she tries to win an argument about this whole adventure because like, she ain't going to get any other victories out of this, so she's got to get this one. <laughs> This is just her now. Yeah. Then she tries to go to Tau Alpha C to meet the Traveler. Um, but the computer says it got eaten up too. It never existed. Uh, the Traveler and Wesley try to save her by using their mind powers. You remember from season one when they had the mind powers. Listen, there's no other way to explain it. And when they start to phase out and Wesley <laughs> closes his eyes and pushes the buttons, it's the worst part of the episode for <laughs> sure. But it is exactly what happened in where no one has gone before. So it's like, uh, what are you going to do? All right, it's in my quick hitters, but I'll just say... Um, this fucking scene where Picard walks in and Wesley and the Traveler both have their hands on the panels and their eyes closed and they're like just standing there I just said uh-huh. I paused it and I looked at Marjan and I said well fuck welcome to Star Trek I guess <laughs> it was just like <laughs> such a cheesy scene Uh, yeah no I, it is real but not only that Picard was not in the engine room the first time this happened. Mm-hmm. This is all new for. I don't think Jordy was there either. Yeah, right. These two was guys. There. These two guys are seeing this for the first time, mm-hmm. and now, what are they going to do? They just saw magic. What are they yes. going to do with it? What's do they go and have a drink together? So uh, fucking magic now, right? I guess. I guess it's yeah. real. Uh, yeah, they're going to have a little, some of those little sandwiches that Picard prepares that only Jordy eats. Um. Anyway, they're using their mind powers. They're going to open another one of those crazy vortexes. 
but she'll have to know to come through herself, I guess. Meanwhile, the universe is now roughly the size of Enterprise in her little bubble and getting smaller all the time. In fact, too too fast on the display screen yes. for the amount of time that's left. <laughs> yeah, it goes woo! But I guess if they'd done it slower, maybe it wouldn't have looked like anything before HD. That's true. You would not have noticed the difference. You wouldn't have noticed that it was collapsing. Uh, the warp bubble starts to collapse again in real life, too. Crusher sees the universe on her display as being the shape of Wesley's warp bubble as it collapses. In real life, her universe is collapsing, too. I don't know how this works. She tries to run from the shrinking universe boundary, which, by the way, is a it appears to exist as a thing. So what is it? If it's not, the it's universe. a lavender cloud. If it's not the if the if a lavender cloud isn't the universe, what is it? It's a barrier of energy, and the sensors can't penetrate it. Yeah, um, just steal a ship and fly through it. Isn't that what happens in Star Trek Five? Yeah, Wesley and the Traveler half phase out of existence, and they open. What does Beverly Crusher need with the starship? <laughs> they open one last vortex in engineering. Uh, Crusher has made her way there and jumps through it. Picard helps her up, and she's back yeah, where she thankfully started. Thankfully, earlier she asked what a doorway out of a warp bubble might look like, and the computer was just like, Tornado! Crazy and she, lightning. So now she knows. Tornadoes. <laughs> she's like, oh, one of those. I've seen those. Oh, man. I got it. I should have gone back before. Yeah, and then the day is fucking saved, bro. I don't know. What was this one about? In grief, Uh-oh. we are ultimately alone. Oh, it was a metaphor. Yes. Quase hints at this to Beverly at the top of the show. I lost my he, wife. He doesn't even expect her to understand what losing his wife was like, even though she's a widow herself. That seems weird, right? And everyone takes Beverly pretty seriously on her side of the bubble, but they they're, they can't feel or believe this loss with her. Because those people never existed to them. Right. She So she's a, alone with that. You can't, it's not something you can share with. You can sympathize with somebody, but you can't never go through it with them. Hmm. So that's a little cooked. Yeah, but I mean, I like it. That's, you, you, did, I, you did the work. I gave it six points. Okay, I like that. You did the work. Um, ben had mind over matter. Your perception shapes reality. Literally. Uh, he said that they did this one more or less when the Traveler showed up the first time, but it was dumb then and dumb now, and moreover, not really true. So it's only a two for him. We don't know that it's true, but most humans in Wesley's time don't know it either. Yeah, we'll figure it out. In a few hundred years, we'll know all about it. But He's a little bit ahead of them. As we get even closer to becoming energy beings. That's right. It's around the corner for us. This is just one step on the fucking journey. Uh, well, what I had was don't take all your cool friends and colleagues for granted, maybe. Mm. But I like your take better. So I'm going to take your take and score. All right. Uh, otherwise, my take was try to keep cool and use logic during what is otherwise an insane-o time. Yeah, the problem is it doesn't get her anywhere. Uh, she wins that great victory uh, against yeah, the so computer. She, when she plays 20 questions against the computer, sure. But, like, she can't get Picard to agree that it's weird that this enormous ship is just the two of them. We've never needed a crew before. What? Well, I've never needed a crew before. <laughs> what huh? is the purpose of this ship? Um, wait, I, I sit in the chair. <laughs> I sit there and you're in sick bay, and we never meet or talk to we, each yeah, other. Yeah, we have dinner together, but we don't see each other the rest of the time. Yeah. It's pretty cool. We have, uh, we have coffee and croissant. I don't actually know what kind of food that is. Where is that from? I'll, I only know this ship. So I don't know where this cuisine comes from. But it's never mattered before. 
Um, execution. I have so many problems with what happened in this episode. I okay. don't understand any of it. The Traveler says that this is a universe formed by her own thoughts. But what does that mean? Did she make sentient people? Are they real? Or is it a weird imagined world? And if they're real, how did she fucking do that? Like, how did she make sentient people who have ideas about warp fields and... Because she doesn't have those ideas in her head. So how would she make someone who had them? I mean, the two universes were connected when she made them. Were they? Yeah, by the warp bubble. Well, he just says that she created it. Yeah. And that it was shaped by her thoughts at the moment. But not that the entire thing exists from her head. Also, the bubble collapses earlier in the episode, and she's fine. That is tricky. I don't know if the timeline is the same on both sides. Because it, then it collapses again later. And yeah, the then it's a mad rush. But I guess the universe doesn't... Like, the universe is only collapsing because that's her dumb brain. Yes, because he that's says... the universe that she made because is he, one that's collapsing. He specifically says she'll be alive as long as she believes she is. So... Yep. Why did she believe she was dying? Or the universe was dying? Hey, we learned so much about her brain in this episode. Oh, then why then? Uh, okay, so, well, we'll do it in characterization, okay. I guess. Um, okay. I think they didn't do a good job of explaining why it's happening and what the rules are. And the result it's is... It's magic, for sure. I thought it was a Twilight Zone level mystery. Where they just <laughs> went, wouldn't it be weird? And then that yeah. was it. And then they got out of the episode. Um, I'm excited. I think we're going to be pretty far apart on this one. <laughs> and then my, my original take about not taking your cool friends and colleagues for granted, all I said was... Was there any reason to believe Crusher wasn't treasuring her time with her friends, family, colleagues, etc.? I mean, you'd think... No, her... she was super excited to see her old mentor, Dr. Quace. I'd think you'd... I mean, I would think that your her husband's untimely death would have taught her that lesson, but... Yeah. So I didn't understand if that was what was happening. Why? But since I changed my take, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, I gave it a two. Cool. I'm an eight. <laughs> so... But first, let's do Ben. He's a four. He says this one is really hard getting through, having seen it before. He seems to remember figuring it out earlier, but it's hard to say. He forgot that it was linked back to the Traveler. He thought it was maybe about Alzheimer's. She knows the universe she's in is fake, but she runs from the collapsing bubble. It's not fake. And she can quantum leap it through the bubble. Well, yeah. The computer told her it was a door. (laughs) The computer that she made with her mind? No, she didn't make it with her mind. She shaped the universe with her thoughts, but the universe... Wait a minute. Why are you saying that like those are... The baseline thought was the universe is the same. Yeah, but how does... But how does she have the power? She didn't make the whole universe. She just shaped it with her thoughts when she went into it. You keep saying that like those are two crazily different... That's what the Traveler says about it. Well, don't get mad. I'm saying... You're saying it like those are two insanely different sentences. That she shaped it with her mind is different from that she created the universe with her the, mind. What does it mean? The, the universe was created do, during the warp bubble experiment, probably by Wesley. Okay. And then she shaped it with her thoughts because she went into it somehow. Okay. The warp bubble ate her. Why it ate her or not Wesley? I don't know. It's not explained. Okay. I give it an eight. Okay. 
I thought this was a pretty effective little bottle show. I thought that it was a fair mystery because the opening engineering scene really suggests that something happened to Crusher. Like there's a flash, Wesley looks and she's not there. Yeah. But then the very next scene is her walking in the hall. So you kind of forget that. Yeah. He seems to be like, eh, I don't know. I guess she walked away. And so if you haven't seen the rest of the episode, you probably go, eh, yeah. I guess she walked away. Yeah. Right. Then when her Wesley gets on the case, he says someone would have to have been in engineering when the flash happened. And then we can have, we have a chance to remember. Oh yeah. That was her. Yeah. So it's all there. It didn't eat Jordy either. He was in It there. didn't eat Wesley or Jordy. Yeah. That's correct. Which is good because Jordy was super pissed off and the universe that his mind <laughs> would have influenced yes. would have been bad. He was specifically Wesley. in that moment in a real fucking attitude. Yeah. Yeah, in his universe, Wesley would have been fucking impaled by something immediately. I thought the least effective part of the episode was when the traveler just zaps in and tells Wesley to use the force. <laughs> Seriously, he goes, I can't do it. And then a dude just appears behind him. Oh, yes, you can, Wesley. It's like, what? Where'd this guy come from? It was Wesley's powers were how he knew to come there. I know. Well, he yeah. thought about him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, that's the worst part. But even that is kind of established in-universe. Yes, by that... Uh... That crazy, what is that, the third or fourth episode? Yeah. When they were totally. like, we're fucking going for it. The kid um, in the the kid in the weird peach colored sweater is a fucking genius, but beyond genius, he like um Yeah, he's like, he's a Jedi, basically. He's yeah, he's, he's exactly. Uh plus this episode was full of little uh character moments that I liked. So yes. I give it an eight. Uh what about the world building? Just a three. Um Ben is a six. He says Kaczynski formula. The traveler pops around whenever like a cue. Uh, Wesley's. This is uh, step two on Wesley's journey. Yes. Which is a thread we haven't picked up in a while. Uh, I'm a three on this one. Four staff members on duty at all times in sick bay. Prove it. That's that's what she asserts the normal procedure is. Yes. She's still her the whole time. No, I'm saying to her, prove it, because we oh, always yeah. see your, your sick bay is empty. Well, we presume they're in another room of sick bay, I guess. They must be. Thoughts shape reality. We're doubling down on that. Also, everyone forgot that Kaczynski was a huckster, and they're trying his bullshit equations again inside a star base for fun. I mean, like, literally, that was the whole point the first time, was that he yeah. was doing nothing. And the Traveler was using his crazy mind powers. I guess maybe the Traveler says that he couldn't, that Kaczynski was a part of it. But, like, I don't think that was true. Yeah, I wonder if he meant that he um, he believed it would work. Maybe that is what it is. <laughs> so that's what helped. Uh, so just a three, I think that they should, they should, this should not have been Kaczynski. This should have been something Wesley was thinking about on his own. Because I know that Kaczynski's the link to the fucking Traveler or whatever, but, like... I like that they call Kaczynski, and Kaczynski's probably like, well, I ain't seen that guy in years. Yeah. I fucking well, hate that guy. guy. I thought I was uh, doing all the cool stuff. That liar? Nah. Yeah. Uh, what did you give it for world building? I also had it as a three. Um, there's some stuff in here. The sensors wouldn't detect a dude if he were dead this week. Also, <laughs> if his communicator were damaged this week. Uh, Data names all the things Enterprise needs all of its big space for, all of its extra space. It's not clear in this episode whether they always have a bunch of extra space or if it's just the missing crew members that means they have it. Because she goes, well, what about all these extra rooms? 
I think the tech manual has yes. it canonically like a quarter empty or something, and but still. That's what I was going to say. Like, do they ever say that much on screen or is it a weird nah. Okuda nah. thing? It's an Okuda thing. Okay. The ship, they, they made the ship too big is the problem. Like, the ship is much bigger than an aircraft carrier, many, many times bigger. It has 42 decks. And then you think, there's only a thousand people. And it has people. a fifth the pers- the people on board, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, the ship is kind of too big. Yeah. Yeah, and but she brought it up specifically because all the missing people. So I was wondering if that was ever on screen. Um, Tau Alpha C is so far away, it will take days for a message to reach it. Um, I think that is consistent with the first episode, too. Yeah, he's supposed to be from far away. The Traveler is back, and he and Wesley use mind powers again, so I still don't know what to do with that. Alternate realities, in or whatever that was inside the weird warp bubble. Um, the Traveler must be super jealous because everybody upgraded their uniforms while he was away, and he's still in that cheesy <laughs> season one jumpsuit that looks like a Martian <laughs> or something. It's pretty bad. Why does he have the worst outfit in the entire series? Also, he looks sickly, and I... I don't know if it's because they did the makeup based on the he was part sickly? of the first episode when he was sickly. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's still sick. Maybe he's got, like... Maybe this is like the Ansada Separatists transporter, and it's not good for you. Well, maybe that's why Wesley comes back in that deleted scene. That's <laughs> probably what it is. <laughs> back like, as a lieutenant or whatever. It. I got skin cancer? It was bad. So I came back. Yeah. Turns out they don't even have doctors because they thought that we didn't need them because we could just think our way out of it, but, like, we couldn't. I couldn't. I, could, I don't know, man. I couldn't not have cancer. I out. had to come back and get a fucking little thing waved over me a whole bunch of times. Um, My mom insisted on doing it. It was very embarrassing. So it was just a three for me on world building. Uh, characterizations. Ben has it as a three. He says, Wesley has begun to realize his traveler-like potential. That's crazy, and a path Star Trek should not go down. But they do. But they do, and also, they already told Picard about it in season one, so. And Picard's really been sitting on it. He hasn't done a lot with it. Yeah. I don't think he I don't cares. Know, I don't know that he's, I mean, he keeps promoting Wesley, but, like, he doesn't seem to be encouraging him to think about subspace. He doesn't seem to spend any time with him at all. <sighs> no, in fact, it's... We have an episode about that coming up pretty soon. <laughs> How come the Traveler didn't ask him about it? This hey, is uh, week, 70, this I, week 78 and week 82, we're going to have a little bit of a talk about it. Some Dursk, Is Dursky talk? Talk over Dursky? Some, some Dursky talk, um, yeah. How come the Traveler doesn't pull Picard aside and go, Hey, I I told you something. Hey, that I thought he's was, not prepared? I thought it was pretty important, and I thought I made it clear that it was pretty important. And you don't When I said he anything. wasn't ready to know yet, I meant wait till he was 18. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not wait four years. He's ready. Let's tell him. Uh, let's see. I had Dr. Crusher as friends with sad old people. She also just goes and watches her son while he works. <laughs> She's way more patient than I would be. I would assume a broken computer was responsible for everything happening and lose it immediately. <laughs> I would be in a fucking... He'd be like, it lost all the data about Dr. Quaze? I would have rage shakes and like... Do you have a backup? Yeah, how is it possible? Oh, so I guess everyone just forgot about Dr. Jalen Quaze, my best friend, and getting in everyone's face about it, and she plays it pretty fucking cool. Um, What does it say about her mind that Wesley disappears before Picard does? Uh-huh. And the last person, because it does seem like Wesley's second to last. 
Uh, I mean, he's the second to last person we see. And then it's her. But that, uh, who knows what the actual order was. And it's her and Picard. And I went, oh, damn. Yeah. In her crazy, in her crazy reality, it's like, eh, Wesley, sorry, you're still just second <laughs> to this guy. Um, anyway, she keeps her head during this whole thing and never stops playing detective and, and tries to figure it out and everything. Um, Wesley's a spoiled brat who thinks the flagship is his plaything. He also quits within seconds of trying to use his mind to save his mom. He's like Luke in episode five. Well, I mean, a lot. When he, a lot like When that. the traveler tells him to use his mind, he go, he, th- he closes his eyes for two seconds, then goes, I can't do it. It's like, wow. Yeah. Um, it's too big. Nobody else. I'll never lift that out of the swamp. That's right. Nobody else really does any characterization in this. So it was just Crusher and her son. And I thought Crusher was actually pretty good. So I gave it a six. Uh, I'm only a five on it, but um, I don't disagree. Uh, for most of the episode, only Beverly is real, but this is a universe of her own making. Here's what we know about her. She feels like whenever she opens her mouth, she's on the defensive. Yeah. One of the key elements of this damn universe is that no one really believes her, and she just looks crazier and crazier. Just like Picard didn't believe her about Endar. Oh. Just like she's always the odd man out in the observation lounge. Okay, okay. Picard didn't believe her because he looked into Rat Tail Daddy's <laughs> eyes. Yeah. And he knows he would never hurt his son. Yeah, man. She has the science. She's telling him it doesn't make sense. We're not qualified to run this mission alone. <laughs> and he's like, nah. I looked, I looked into the universe's eyes and it said it was just right. Yeah. No matter how logical her arguments are, she feels like she cannot reach these goons. Okay. Also... Like all parents, she thinks that Wesley is thinking about her all the time and feeling guilty that she's going through this and so on. Yeah, poor Wesley. Uh, and also, she reduces everybody, all these people that she knows for years, to two or three real minor traits in a moment. Height, race, irritating personality <laughs> traits. She runs through the whole bridge crew. I know. Troy's? Uh, Betazoid? Yeah. Loves chocolate. Oof. The appearance of her mother gives you... Uh, Boy. Sends, sends you running for the holodeck or whatever. But... The writers do take that as the Bible on Troy from now on. That's, that's Troy. It. That's, that's Troy. season. That's by season four. That is Troy. Yep. <sighs> Hold on. I'm so gonna, just a five because she's a racist. I'm gonna give you an opening here. Hold on. Hell yeah, bro! Grip it and rip it. <laughs> I didn't, I had two ready, but I didn't open them both. Uh you ready for a big long list of crip, of quick hitters? Um, yeah, let's do it. I got so many. How big is this fucking Starbase? Dude, Enterprise is tiny in there. All, whenever they show like the big space dock type ones, yeah. you think, man, those are fucking massive. Those doors have to be a football field wide each. Yeah. And they're thick. Well, they're not made out of a cool uh, transparent aluminum or anything. Yeah. These are some big, heavy, heavy doors. Uh, they didn't make this old man take the jet bridge in. He got to beam over from Starbase. <laughs> yeah. That's considerate of them. Why were they running warp bubble tests inside the space station? Why does the warp bubble only only eat up engineering? Yeah, uh, that that is kind of weird because the the warp reactor is just a power source. The the fields generated from the nacelles. I was going to say, what are the nacelles doing during this experiment? Also, how long are they in the station? We see them enter. Mm -hmm. Beverly takes her old man for a walk, and already Jordy is impatient to get on the road again. They really did not stay long. 
Yeah, those crew rotations are pretty quick. They get off the pad. They hear the thing about um, how they have to go to um, re-education. Right? <laughs> and then that's where they go. And then you move on. It's pretty quick. Um, uh, when Wesley call, uh, when Crusher calls Worf down because Quace has disappeared and Worf goes to ask the computer where he is, Beverly gets a look on her face like, I already tried that, but mm-hmm. then she's going to just sit sit patiently and wait for him to learn the same thing she did. It's, uh, I thought she did good. I already tried that face. Yeah, that was a good small touch. She's like, yeah, Worf. No, I never thought of that. You're the first one ever to think I ask in the computer where the guy is. Also in that same scene, he's like, I wasn't informed that you, that Dr. Quace was coming aboard. And she says, isn't that standard procedure? And he says, it is, but go on. Yes, he also does a good small touch, which is, yeah. uh, I don't want to get into it. Yeah, exactly. Let's like, concentrate that on doesn't matters. matter right this minute. Yeah. I, we'll find the old man. I'm going to yell at somebody about this in a minute. But <laughs> yeah. for now, please tell me about your missing friend. It was actually really good. Yeah. Um, in universe, what is this orange acrylic circuit diagram Picard's always looking at supposed to be? Hey, do you, um, you've probably never had a job like this. (laughs) I've had jobs where I've definitely had a go-to thing to have up on my screen so that if someone comes (laughs) over, it looks like I'm doing something. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what he's yep, doing. I get it. That's his thing, right? Like he has this thing so that like if people walk by, he has that like, rack of two circuit boards, yeah. and he's always looking at one when someone comes in. Someone I'm doing puts business. It down and picks up the other one. I'm yeah. working right now. What can I do for like, you? What is that supposed to be? <laughs> I know that's just something cool that Rick Okuda made, but like, what is it yeah. though? Um, Data probably should have just asked Dr. Crusher how Quace was spelled instead of trying 150 different searches, but uh, I get it. No one wants to look dumb. Oh, yeah, it would be really embarrassing if he went, never existed, and then she, like, put it in, and he was just right there. He just popped right up, oh. and he's like, I, sorry, I spelled it with a Y. I shouldn't have been so dramatic about that reveal. That's yeah. I, Now I look dumb. Is O'Brien maybe too good at not asking questions? His version of what happened with Crusher is real strange, but apparently he thought so little of it that he had to ask what time he beamed this geezer aboard to jog his memory. I wanted... Like, what What time was this supposed to be? Oh, when you came down, said nothing, and left? Most of the time when something like that happens in a Star Trek episode, I'm really uncomfortable because I feel bad. I wanted this to be the whole episode. I wanted <laughs> the whole episode to be an interrogation of what was happening with O'Brien because we have so much stuff in his background now yeah about what his real role is on the ship yeah he's a fixer he is a fixer and when she comes in with fucking who's she coming with Riker yeah and they are like asking him questions he looks like he has done something wrong and he doesn't uh-huh. and he doesn't know what it is he doesn't know what he did that's wrong but and he knows this is gonna get blamed on him he, somehow he thinks maybe he was supposed to disappear somebody and that's what they're asking about and he didn't do it or <laughs> Did he disappear someone he wasn't supposed wasn't to disappear? Supposed to. Yeah. And that's, like, he's getting all confused in his mind. And he's like, on, he's like, they put him on the spot. Yeah, he's, and, and he's on the, he's on the back foot here with this one for and sure. And then they call him in for a brain scan. And he's like, oh, they're going to do me. Like, this yep. is, like, they're going to get rid of me the way I had to get rid of all those other people. Yep. They're like, well, I've, I'm not an officer and I'm going to take the fall on this one, <laughs> I huh? I should have known it all along. Come on, Smiley, be smart. 
Uh, I've seen this episode a bunch of times. I've never noticed that oh, Riker gives O'Brien a little cuckoo look as the scene fades out. <laughs> he just, just like looks at him real quick after Dr. Crusher says something like, uh, oh, I don't know, something about the, the, maybe the, the, they sabotage the transporter logs too or something. Yeah. And Riker gives O'Brien a look like, so this is what we're doing today. Riker... Um surprise Riker is the one who is least on board with this the whole time yeah. he's very angry about this minor disruption to his lifestyle like uh he was planning to take a walk at two but then he got a call and now he's like well maybe i should just kill myself you know that kind of thing <laughs> like these are i had these as character notes for these people until i separated them because they were part of the other universe but like yeah. Riker, surprise not as patient as everybody else with this whole quest. No, he's much less patient about yeah, this whole he's thing. not into it um, when Wesley is proposing his theory about the warp bubble, everyone is like, but Dr. Quace was nowhere near engineering when the bubble flashed over. But like, what are they basing that on? They didn't even know this guy existed. <laughs> the guy I've never heard of was never near. The computer has no record of him ever being on the ship, but uh, he couldn't have been near the en- engineering when the warp bubble thing <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, I just examined myself, she tells Picard. And being the only doctor on board, I had to do it myself. That needs a rewrite. That was a, that was the two myself's right there. Almost a dialogue monster. It was so weird. Yeah, it's just, it's just rewrite. Just awkward. Yeah. Um, the sinister music when Worf is missing only makes sense to us. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be sitting here going, "Oh shit, it got a main cast member." That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you as you said, Doctor Crusher didn't want to say the black guy because she knows how it looks. But when no one knows who Worf is, she tried. She man. exhaustedly resorts to the Klingon. She, she tried so many other things: a big guy, never smiles, chief of security. She's like trying to name all these things, and they just look right. at her and she goes, "The Klingon." Like you made yeah. me say it. You're all really the bad guys. You're the ones. Yeah, pretending like you don't know. Um. Even her short description of the crew, Troy gets the short stick. I already mentioned it. Mm. Loves chocolate. Half Betazoid loves chocolate. You hate her mom. That's basically what it is. That is that's Troy. That's her for the rest of time. Her race, her bad mom, and she loves chocolate. Uh, at the point where I was writing this, we were in a universe where Picard and Crusher have been alone on a starship for years and years, fully horny, and somehow still haven't ever fucked. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that's that she shaped it, and that really is her preferred... Her preferred state with Picard. <laughs> yeah, in a few seasons, we'll see Riker's worst alternate universe, but here's an early look at Picard's. <laughs> just the only person on this ship with her. Yeah, it's not great. I won't forget, she says when Picard disappears. I won't forget any of you. But she'll probably forget Troy. <laughs> she, she already forgot everything about her. Yeah. And then I said, uh, this is Matt's favorite part of Empire when Wesley's like, Luke's gone, we're fucked, and then Traveler says, no, there is another. <laughs> I wish you'd said that. Yeah. And we've returned to Starbase 133, the precise location where the bubble formed, says Picard, as the ship pulls up to a halt in an empty starfield. Yeah. Like, later they do actually get there, but for some reason he gives that uh, log entry, and it shows the ship stopping, and there's the Starbase is nowhere nearby. <laughs> It's a very long docking sequence. It takes place in nearby sector. You have to start there. Yeah. And then when Wesley closed his eyes, uh, we were at my favorite scene in A New Hope mm. when a voice in the background says, he switched off his targeting computer. <laughs> that guy's a real bitch, dude. 
throwing him <laughs> under the bus. Hey, the kid's doing something stupid. Uh, the traveler is dressed like he was getting dental X-rays when he got the Wesley signal. Could be both had ideas about his outfit. Really looked like a lead apron. Um, and then, as I said, uh, Picard and Jordy just saw magic. What's next for them? Does Starfleet ask Wesley questions like, "What were you doing? Do you think you could teach someone to bend reality like that?" Or does no one care and we're just back to normal next week? I think you know the answer. I do. Uh, best actor I gave to Crusher, waiting for Worf to do the most basic computer check like she never thought of it. And I gave worst actor to uh, Jordy being irrationally angry at Wesley. He must have approved this procedure. Yeah, right? And yes, now Wesley is he's being a, kind of a little jerk about hoarding the engines. But like, you don't need them. It's fine. Um, like Picard's going to be like, okay, we finished the crew rotation. Now it's warp nine. We, we have another medical emergency. I know everyone's shocked. There's a yeah. plague. We got we to gotta work on it. Well, guys, there's a, we need to get some hytridium. <laughs> uh, Ben's only quick hitter was that it was definitely a creepy episode, which Marjan and I both commented on as well. After we were oh, done yeah. watching, we were like, oh, that was actually kind of weird. She's getting gaslit. Like, this is an episode where she's getting gaslit the whole time, right? Yeah, and there are lots of good music cues, and it's a, cre- it's a creepy episode. Uh, I got a few. I like Riker pulling a Troy and saying, O'Brien believes what he says. Yeah, that's true. Like, What's that based on? He thinks that's just something that anyone's allowed to say now. <laughs> that's true. Because <laughs> she said it about the lady he raped or whatever. Um... Again, I saw Picard walk in and watch The Traveler and Wesley with their eyes closed. Whatever. Um, there was a sign in the Starbase that said South Airlocks, which was interesting to me. South yeah, what's of what? That? How's that helpful, huh? South of South of what? You can't whip out a compass on the Starbase, <laughs> so I, I hope there's good signs in there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Picard bends over backward to help his lady love, but still sometimes sounds like he's talking down to her. But that's a tough situation. It is tough. That's what a, are you going to do? It's a tough one. That's a really hard one to, negoti- to negotiate. And then I had a lot of stuff about O'Brien, which I already talked about. So that's it, man. Hey, we did it. We did it, and we did the whole thing. Let me give you the rundown. Okay. Last place this week, 16 points. That's not good. Deep Space Nine, Little Green Men. Got a... You gave them 10 of the 16. My no-take hurt them pretty badly. Yeah, they only got a 1 in premise from us. So Yeah, in fact, if I had given them even a 1 on each of premise and execution, then they would have been tied because 4th place also very bad this week. Oh, man. Voyager concerning flight we get only the... scored 18 points. We get the theme next week, though. Uh, we do. We do get to hear Voyager's theme next week because Deep Space Nine beefed it. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, two, yeah, two points. I don't know what music sense. clip I'm going to pick for the Sword of Kaelas, though. That doesn't seem like there's going to be anything in my library that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's very, it is a very specific Star Trek reference. I already stretched it for custom concern for concerning flight, so we'll see. I'll take a look. Maybe I got some songs about swords I don't know about. <laughs> uh, third place this week with 25 points. The execrable all our yesterdays. It was so, another bad week. Let's be. It landed on a, a lucky week. There were we had one decent score this week, and the rest were yeah. pretty turdy. Second place with twenty eight points, Enterprise home. Yeah, and the winner this week with a 
below average for a winning week, but just about average, uh, 39 points. TNG, remember me. I was five above you on this one. Yeah, that wasn't. We've had way worse than that. And um, yeah. that was actually one of your better scores. That's in a nice shade of green. Yeah, 22 was a strong score coming from me. That's the 31st win for TNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Swiss 9 has 23. The original series has 17. That's all right, though. Five Voyager. There's enough time. TOS can make it all up. Yeah, yeah. Next week, week 79. But waiting for it a long time. fucking time. We're watching the last episode of the original series, Turnabout Intruder. Uh, Diana Maldar. She in it, right? <laughs> she is in it. That's She's what... not playing Miranda Jones, though. It's a different character. All I remember is that she takes Kirk's body. I know nothing else. Uh, she does take his body because she has a thing that women can't be starship captains. And frankly, in TOS, that might be true. Oh, Probably. We have we have already seen a woman starship captain in Enterprise, and there are, there's no reason that it needs to have been true, but that is one of her points. There are massive conflicting impulses, is why it's true. Yeah, TNG. We're watching Legacy, so <laughs> it's a big. We get what, to learn what is the Federation. A little peek at uh, <laughs> at Ishar Yar, uh, at Tasha Yar's past, and the rape gangs, and all of that. Mm. Uh, Data maybe falls in love or maybe just makes a friend and gets betrayed. I don't really remember. Man, I cannot imagine this thing's going to score very many points. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe it'll have a hot fucking take. But yeah, what is the Federation? Also, uh, no, that's right. I was thinking of a different episode. No, yeah. but the point is we're going to have too much spiner. It's not going to be great. I'm not into it. It is a it is a Data emotional episode, so. It's tough. Deep Space Nine, sort of K-less. Uh, Worf goes on an adventure with in the Klingon Empire to do something with some people. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, no, you basically got it. <laughs> Voyager, Mortal Coil. It's a Hamlet reference. Maybe they'll just, it'll just be Hamlet. <laughs> Maybe they'll go to Hamlet. Hamlet like World? Like Tom Paris is playing Hamlet in the ship production of Hamlet. A Hamlet World in the holodeck would be just amazing. Anyway, we'll see. And uh, Enterprise Borderland, oh. which I think is the start of the fucking Augments arc. God, they really get into it quick, huh? Yeah. Fuck me. And Oh, my God. I keep remembering the Spiners in that, too. Ah! Yeah. Last thing we need was more Spiner. Well, we have one more TOS to go, and then it gets a little less onerous. But we're off the clock for a week. Yeah. So it's time to catch fish. Oh, yeah, it is time to do that. We should hurry and do that. Everybody send us mail. Next week will be a mailbag. We're still doing all this shit, even though it is a crisis in the uh, planetary crisis, like in Star Trek Four when the the probe comes. Right? It's on that level. I I think so. I mean, it's been rainy here. That's right. Exactly. We got it a lot of rain. It was real stormy in San Francisco in Star Trek Four. Yeah. I, there was not a lot of information about what was happening in San Jose. It's true. It could have been just like it was today. It could have just been raining. And um, so we're going to keep bringing you all the all the great content that you love so very much. So send us the mails and we'll read it. And if you ask us to do a dumb thing, we'll do the dumb thing. We don't even care. Don't even matter. Um, so that's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Brothers at BrotherDate.com if you want to email us. Go to BrotherDate.com. Check out some of our past projects. You can get all the episodes. iTunes and podcatchers that do the iTunes. Uh, didn't we come up? I think our new motto. What's our new motto? Just hit 
um, black, white, and black, white, and blue on them. Yeah, Carolina black and white and blue on them. That's a good. That can't be our motto. That's someone else's song. Anyway, I'm done with mottos. Everybody, we'll see you next time. <laughs> it's by the way, we always gave him crap for that, but now I go, oh, he made an effort. Yeah, he was trying. He did a Star Trek reference at us, and we laughed in his face. Ah. Uh. Please subscribe.